Trash. Trash. Hey gang, welcome back to another episode of the We Speak English Good podcast. Today's guest is the amazingly talented LG or Lyrical Genius. Lyrical Genius is based out of Los Angeles, California. She has a new video out that's killing it. it it's gone viral. It's called YBM. Go check it out. I have a link in the show notes. And I can't play this song because apparently I can't play any more music on the show that's not mine or or not. Uh, it's just it's just gotten too much, guys. It's gotten too much. So we're eliminating all music from all all platforms, which is such a bummer. It's such a bummer. And like I want to, because this song is so good. Um, Go and listen to it. Just stop what you're doing. Push pause. Go in the link. Watch the video. If you're not fucking hype after watching that video, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. That video is so good. Uh, it's beautifully shot. I love the representation in it. It's just, it's so good. Like the whole thing is just so good. So go and check that out. LG will be on the show shortly. But first, go to rainamystique.com. R-E-I-N-A-M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E.com. Go check out her latest single. It's called Where Are You Now? It is a lovely R&B tune. Another collaboration between Raina Mystique and AK. Go check it out. You can also find Random Mystique on Twitch four days a week, uh, Monday through Thursday, 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. ish, uh, EST, Eastern Standard Time. Go check her out. She's on Twitch, everybody. Uh, you can also find We Speak English Good on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash We Speak English Good. We run shows Mondays and Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And sometimes we do Sundays. We have open, uh, not open, well, yeah, we have an open mic. Uh, portion of the show we have uh, we take questions from the guests i mean if you guys haven't heard in the last year i mean you guys see how things are going i don't know why you're not over there or over there yeah i guess over there not over here this is different over there is different over here is different <laughs> uh i'm talking about twitch and the podcast feed here so Come check it out. We do live band streams as well. Uh, we got a couple cool things coming up. So this Sunday, the 8th, uh, August 8th, 2021, we have an interview with uh, Zoe Magazine contributor and the person who wrote the article about moi in Zoe Magazine, which if you guys didn't know, there's an article out about me, yours truly. It's called podcast feelings and a hot boy summer uh it's pretty awesome links in the show notes go read it it's a quick read and uh if you're interested in learning a little bit more about the show super happy that that's out came out beautifully and it really made me think on how to uh you know like it really made me think about the show in a different way so it, it was great it helped me understand what i'm doing a little bit better um so the writer of that article her name is kendra 
Beltran, and she's a great writer. She does all kinds of cool uh, shows and stuff. So go, she'll be on. She does all kinds of shows. What? She's a freelance writer. She also has her own podcast called Crushgasm, uh, and uh, we'll talk all about that this Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This Friday, actually, Christian Watson is on the show, and we're talking to him. Now, he is a, uh, a social commentator. He's a journalist, a writer, and I'm really interested in talking to him. Uh, so it's not going to be a music thing. This is all on the live stream, everybody, not on the podcast feed. Uh, so that's what's coming up on Friday. But if you're not familiar with the stream come and get familiar it's pretty freaking awesome we're having a good time we talk to people we take questions from the audience as you can hear as you've heard over this last year anyways twitch.tv slash we speak english good come and get some if you want to support the show monetarily go ahead and check out the threadless store it's we speak english good.threadless.com uh you can buy all kinds of cool merch there to help represent the show and help us financially uh what else we got going on here oh, oh yeah you can like subscribe review like us on facebook instagram TikTok, discord the whole thing all the links are in the show notes you can subscribe to us on apple itunes youtube follow us on spotify or anywhere you get your podcast and you can also subscribe on youtube and twitch uh let's see write the show at we speak english good at gmail.com and that is it okay so i i do want to say something before we jump into this episode um this this uh this this conversation gets a little spicy and uh, i have a big learning moment in in this show and uh it gets really uncomfortable so uh just just a little bit of warning if you're uncomfortable <laughs> talking or listening about discussions about race and and all that this one gets a little heavy so please do take that in mind and in fact i'm gonna go ahead and and say catch me on the other side of the conversation and i'm gonna give you a little rap and my thoughts on the conversation itself and some of the things i took away from it uh so yeah without any more other things coming about <laughs> what what Oh my gosh, I don't even know what that, what is that? What was I even trying to say? I was trying to say, without further ado, I think. Without further ado, everyone, put your hands together for the wonderfully, incredibly, and just mind-blowingly hardworking, talented individual, LG, aka Lyrical Genius. Because life is so hectic, how do you manage all the time, uh, all your time, especially with all the content that you're putting out into the into like TikTok and Instagram? Uh, I mean, and you're doing well on these platforms, so you're obviously doing something right. You're, you're constantly releasing videos for for your music on YouTube, and your YouTube's doing great. So, how do you manage your time to put out all this uh, all this content that you're that you're just throwing out there right now? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is like having designated days for different things. Mm. Um, you know, uh, I have something called content days. A lot of influencers do them, which mm. is how I got um, familiar with the concept. 
I think it's great. You do a content day. Maybe you invite other people who um, do a lot of TikTok or Reels for Facebook or Instagram. Mm -hmm. And you guys kind of come up with ideas and just bring your ideas to the table. And be like, hey, look, these are the three ideas I have. What do you guys have? And then we kind of all work together to get content done. That way we kind of eliminate having to do content every day mm -hmm. and can kind of knock out a few things in one day for the week. And then, you know, I'll have a designated, you know, typically for like Twitch streaming and like live streaming on TikTok or even Instagram. I typically do that daily, maybe three, four times a week. More of a like, a, you know, a winding down thing, you know, like at the end of the day, once I'm home and I'm chilling, I'm like, all right, you know, let me jump on and say what's up to Team Genius, see how they doing or on Twitch, we call it FSG gang. That's like first stream gang because I was real new to streaming. And so the people who was there when I first started, I'll jump on and be like, oh, job too. This is what my day was like. You know, this is what my week's been like. This is what I've been going through. Hey, I'm sorry I haven't been on for a while or whatever might be going on and just kind of update and touch base with everyone who's been supporting me. Um, but that's that's mostly how I do it. I mean, like I said, daily on streaming and as uh, far as content, like I said, a designated day. Same thing with studio time, designated days for mm -hmm. studio time. And I know like, okay, you got a session this day. So maybe just do some live streaming <laughs> or you have a session. So maybe just go to an event, but don't do too much because it can't get overwhelming. So the best thing is to keep it balanced. So that yeah. way it stays smooth sailing, you know? Right, right. And, 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 you know, I'm trying to do that, too. I'm trying to, like, Tuesdays is the day that I do, like, all my intros and outros for the audio version of the podcast. And then, like, Wednesdays are, like, a, you know, release day and get this thing done, get that thing done day. But, my God, it's, like, how... Staying on top of that is just such a, it's a discipline. It really is. Like, you really have to stay disciplined in this. Um, it, you were mentioning that you, you collaborate with other, like, uh, so, uh, um, uh, influencers. And, you know, like, I've never been a part of this, but, like, you were saying you guys get together. Now, I've heard of, like, people getting together, like, doing their TikTok uh, meetups. And now yep. people are on TikTok tours where they're, like, touring around the country with and meeting up with different influencers. And, you know, even in your videos, you, you, you bring on influencers. Like, what's that one video? You had this little girl just come out and just break some moves down. And, um, and do my thing. Yes, do my thing. And, and she has to be an influencer of some kind. Like, that little girl is just killing she it. She's a beast. Yes. She's a beast. She's so, a full-time dancer, actress, and she's just, you know... Um, I have to give it up to my choreographer, Derek Strader, who introduced me to her. Mm. I went to her shop with the work in. And when I met her, I was just like, who is this little girl who just got all this sass and just, oh, man. I mean, everything about her. So I just was like, you know what? I would love to highlight her mm. for a full visual. Yeah. And that's where I came up with the idea of do my thing. Mm. Um, you know, all my visuals, are, I direct them myself. So oh, that's cool. I was like, are you editing as well? Uh, some stuff, mm -hmm. some stuff. Um, like for example, the, uh, the YBM behind the scenes, I added that oh, whole wow. thing. Wow. That's great work. Great work. So, so you hired a crew to come out film, you were directing and, and then you went home and edited that together. I mean, that's, I mean, it's great editing technique. You know, like I read about you in that, uh, that you've been sort of doing music since four and, um, you know, you were producing and stuff. And, and I love it. I love to hear artists who are, who not only, you know, rap, 
but they also produce their own music. They're behind their own visuals. They're behind their own, their, their whole outlook, they're behind. And I get it. It becomes overwhelming. And then once you get to a certain echelon or a certain level in this business, have, handing off some of the work is, is kind of, you know, it's kind of necessary because you have to focus on creating but on this grind, on this grind coming up, and uh, you know, I, I always respect the people like like Kanye West. I know Kanye West gets a lot of shit. I know he does. You know, like I and, and well deserved shit. But the man is in like 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 he is a genius. There's no doubt about that. He knows how to like manipulate a beat, manipulate an audience. Like like marketing genius. Like the people are paying like five hundred dollars for a white T-shirt. You're telling me that this man is an idiot because he was on Trump's team for like two minutes? Come on, man. Oh, I just said the Biden. Shut up, Mike. God. That's how deep this shit goes. That's how deep this shit goes. Um, so, I mean, wh I mean, how, how do you feel about that when, when you're talking to other artists or, you know, like, how do you feel about having sort of this all-in-one package? Um, and, and why did you sort of pursue it like that? Instead of sort of going out and concentrating on one practice, one medium, and, and just being a good lyricist, what, you know, like, because it does, you do get spread thin. What, what, why did you approach it in this way? You know, I think that um, those of us who end up being in this position, like that one man band kind of vibe, um, typically don't purposely do that. I mm -hmm. think we all kind of go through different, like, lessons in life and then we kind of pick up things in different areas so for me um i was a media design student in high school i got a full basketball uh scholarship to college oh, and then i picked up a bachelor's of science for media communication so um i won three film festivals during my high school and college years so film was my focus my whole life oh wow and i always did music mm -hmm. always did music in the basement always had pro tools but like, you know, I really, really wanted to do, you know, movies and documentaries and like, I write scripts. This is like a, a big passion of mine, just writing anything, poetry, scripts, <laughs> stories, music it was always writing. And so, so awesome. going to college, that was my focus. And then I got so serious with music and learning all those programs for editing for film, I feel like really helped me quickly adapt pro tools and reasons and mm -hmm. you know what I mean so I was able to like easily learn to record myself in the dorm rooms and started you know cooking up you know mm -hmm. and so I, I started back in my basement my mom got me a pro tools digi, digi design box yeah <laughs> Eight, you know way back wow. in the day wow dude I started on <laughs> six don't worry I started on six so you know <laughs> I know how it is <laughs> Bro, I was making, like, I have, like, a thousand songs, bro. I was making songs in my basement. I was cooking out, like, eight to ten songs a day. The audio was left and right. It was, nothing was, equal, like, nothing was centered. It was a big mess. But I was having a ball. Like, right. I was just, you know, exploring my creativity. Yeah. And um, so I think that was the beginning. It's kind of, like, just being a part of that age of the new software. Like, yeah. you know, being part of that transition. Um I started doing like video and music all at the same time. And then, you know, going to college, you know, I started throwing parties, which just came from popularity of being on a basketball team. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what? I'm going to perform at my parties. Hell yeah. And so I started performing at my parties. So now I'm making money off my parties and I'm performing 
spreading my music. Didn't know that was marketing at the time. Uh-huh. No clue. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? that's like legit marketing right there. That's like that's so, how P Diddy does it, right? Like he just throws massive parties and has performances, and people come in and check out yeah. new performances. Like, yeah, exactly. And you didn't even realize it. You you just seem like you've always had sort of a very um, a business minded. Have you always been business minded and and sort of like seeing the bigger picture, or is this something you had to grow into? I believe that I was definitely business savvy, very young. My mom used to put me into a lot of business um, entrepreneurship programs and stuff. Just like at 14 years old, you know, I was like a part of like entrepreneurship program over the summer Mm. where we wrote about business plans and stuff. So like you said, without me noticing, naturally it became kind of a part of how I put things together. Does that make sense? It does. It does very much. Um, it's, it's weird how like you sort of pick up these different skills over, over a lifetime. And, and when you're, I feel like it's like when you're on the right path in life, all these skills sort of converge into like exactly, you know, exactly what you need where you're at in life. I don't know. Does that sound too woo woo for you? I don't know if you're into that kind of thought process. Uh, I'm a hundred percent, um, in tune with that because I feel like um, alignment is very is yeah. very real, mm-hmm. and I also feel as though everything I went through at different times in my life, I went through different things at different times, allows me to be who I am today and be able to do the things I'm doing at the level I'm doing without feeling overwhelmed, without feeling like it's too much, um, just because of my previous experiences and all of those things are just like signs to me, like from the universe that, yo, you're walking in your destiny, you're walking in your purpose, this is what it's for. Um, A lot of people have been congratulating me on the success of YBM's viral moments that it's it's continuing to have. And for me, it's bigger than just a viral moment. It's Mm -hmm. the fact that it's a viral moment with a song that is pure to who I am and what I believe in. And I feel like for so long I've been rapping and doing music and so many people who have good intentions are like, yo, you can write anything. Why don't you do a song for TikTok where they can dance? Or why don't you do a song like this? This is trendy. This is what's working. Mm-hmm. Or do a song like that. No, you got to do a song like that because that's what they want to hear. Yeah. And it's like, nah, I got to stay true to who I was as a person Absolutely. and do a song that really meant something to me. And that was the song. That went viral. And to me, that is me walking in my purpose. That is me uh, being aligned with staying true to who I am and allowing that to kind of lead me to where I'm going, you know? That's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and having sort of the skills to back that up, to having like, like, cause, because I was just telling my wife, it's like right before I came in here, it's like, oh my God, cause I've been just editing and, and just posting and just doing all kinds of crazy stuff all morning leading to this. It's like, it's like the, the two hours that I'm on camera is like the least of what I do. And it's so like you have all these skills that you've been able to sort of work into your toolbox and you have the, the skills to back up the, 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 you know, the timing, you know, cause it's, the, the, what did they say? They say, um, success in the, in this industry is, uh, it was, it? it's timing and skill or luck and skill or something. It's like having the luck, but also having the skill behind it. I don't know. Uh, but, it, <laughs> but it's, but it, but, but it is a true statement where you, you it all sort of converged for you in this thing. 
Uh, I definitely want to talk about YBM because uh, it's such a uh, it's such a poignant song to our political and social environment going on right now. Could you sort of just sort of explain YBM to people since we can't really <laughs> can't really listen to it or watch it? But uh, can you sort of give everybody a sort of a breakdown of what it means to you? Absolutely. So YBM is the it's the turn up song, the party song, the anthem of the protest, the anthem of the new voices. That's amazing, um, was, by the way. That's an amazing description, by the way. <laughs> That's an amazing description. Man, we live in a total different generation. You know, we live in a new world. And I feel like my focus of YBM was Gen Z and was a lot of what we've seen in 2020 on TikTok and mm. on social media of the new younger kids being so self-aware, being so um, social aware of, of these issues and not recognizing that, well, wait a minute, like, you know, I've seen kids on TikTok who are like bawling their eyes out because they realize that, wait, I can't talk to my parents about this. They don't understand where I'm coming from. They don't get why I feel like this is unfair. Uh, and then I've watched young kids who uh, are much younger than myself when when I found out about, you know, political standings and different things going on in the world who are out there with their fists up, with their signs up, with their friends marching or riding on their skateboards <laughs> or riding on their bikes um, to bring awareness to extremely serious social issues that have been an issue for a very long time. And that was inspiring me, inspiring to me to see that in 2020, especially uh, during the pandemic. Uh, they were fearless, fearless, and myself included being out there, seeing it firsthand in Philadelphia because I was home visiting family during the pandemic. And, um, you know, I was out there at the marches there. And then uh, I flew home June 2nd to Los Angeles. And as we're driving back from the airport, I can't even get to my house because the streets are blocked off from protests. Oh. So it's like I went from one madness city to another madness city, <laughs> 3,000 miles away. Wow. And all these young people look the same across the country. And um, I just wanted to make music. This fight is not a short fight. And I think that we are well aware of that more now than ever. And I just wanted to be the music to keep the, the energy up. I just wanted to make a song that wasn't just a conscious rap song mm. that was just broken down into facts of what the issues are, but a song that actually was a vibe, a song that actually made people want to turn up and enjoy themselves mm. the way Gen Z does. It's a different world, you know? Yeah. Um, there was no songs like WAP 20 years ago. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. there wasn't... It wasn't the exception of twerking right. left and right. I mean, oh. you got grandparents twerking on TikTok now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, so I, I want yeah. to kind of embody the new wave of energy. You know what I mean? Like that acceptance of all. Yeah. Um, in the in the in the chorus, and not let it just be so serious and get missed because like it goes over everyone's head. But more or less, medicine and the candy. Mm. You know, and kind of make it sweet and fun, right. but yet still very very fruitful for people to listen to over time and get different parts of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, that extended a lot of what the culture is. And I feel like as an African-American woman, 
and artists, I see our culture have their difficulties where it's like, well, we want people to accept Black when it comes to racial profiling. However, will Black shame each other when it comes to something as simple as dance style of twerking, which is an African style that was very historical and very well respected for, for centuries. Wow. And so I wanted to implicate that in the song by having that twerk moment mm. where it's like, wait, this is like a serious song yet. Like Here's some she's twerk. saying twerk something. And it's like, you know what I mean? A lot of people get it, but a lot there's, mm. I see comments and some people like, wait a minute. So wait, twerk. So I don't get where the twerk part came from. Mm. Well, the twerk part is me embodying all that is the culture. All that is black mm. because it starts with us. Yeah. We can't expect someone else of a different culture to accept black. And we don't even accept all that is black. Yeah. The ratchet, the fun, the turn up, the dance style, all of it is still us. Mm. Right? There's strip club or sitting at a conference with the Obamas. It's still all our culture. Mm. And so it should all be accepted. And so that's what I wanted to embody with YBM was like the fearlessness of like, yo, I love everything that's black, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, because that's where it starts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that, because there is like, you know what the youth today uh, the youth do, does get a lot of uh, gets a lot of shit for you know being oversensitive and sort of being um you know not being able to handle uh i don't know realities i don't know how to say it better uh but you know like i feel like you know with gen z and, and i've been i've been guilty of this of sort of being hard on gen z but i feel like when you look at when you look at what they have placed in front of them when you look at you know jobs you go what go to college so you can get in debt to get what no job you know like uh their options are are sort of bleak you know like uh these young kids are the the suicide rates among youth and and teenagers are are horrific um it's i can see where gen z is sort of getting caught up in in in, and being emotional about these things because what else do they have look forward to what else are they sort of you know when when i was a kid you know like we was like go to college and everything will be all right and you know and baby hit me one more time and all this stuff and and you know that ended up being kind of a lie but even worse it's it's just getting worse and worse especially as especially as this sort of um, this capitalizing of this pandemic is taking place, you know, of, 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 of governments, of media, of social media, of, of, of farm pharmaceutical companies, like they're all sort of smashing us down with, uh, just, just with just information, misinformation, disinformation. It's just, it's so hard to keep track of what's going on, what's real, what's not. I, I, I just absolutely can understand how these kids these days feel just disenfranchised from from society and it's like why not just fucking twerk at tiktok mansions and and go on tiktok tours what the fuck else is waiting for us you know so i don't know how does that fall in your ears like i don't know if you agree with that i know that was a big long there but how does that I feel fall? like a lot of these kids are um, well, number one, they live in a world that's extremely uncensored compared to how we grew up, mm. uh, compared to how our parents grew up and our grandparents grew up. Absolutely. And so, you know, my little brother knows he's 13. He knows about so many things that I've never thought about at 13. Right, you know? right. Uh, Jeez Louise. He's, he's afraid. He used to be. It's so 
so crazy the transition. He was, um, you know, four, five, six years old, and he wanted to be a police officer. We used to dress him up in cop outfits and uniforms, and he got to meet the commissioner of our city in Philadelphia and got, you know, all of them signed, uh, all the different hierarchies of the police district in Philadelphia signed this huge board with the pictures of them on it. You know, and they gave him like his own little badge. And like, it was this huge thing for this kid who had this dream of, you know, just protecting and serving. And I watched that transition to him being afraid to get pulled over wow. when he's in, this, in the car with my mom, you know, okay. and it wasn't anything that we told him. You understand what I'm saying? It's the world that is is in our phones and in our tablets and in our computers and on our TVs, um, the media and, you know, this stuff's going to get pumped out. So if it's going to get pumped out, these kids have to now adjust to this, you know, and uh, it's one thing, you know, in the 90s where it's like you go home and your parents are watching the news and you're like, I'm going to my room, play my video game, jump on the, you know, 64, Nintendo or whatever, like. You know, I'm on, I'm on my Game Boy Color, not paying attention. Yeah. It's another thing when it's on your timeline. Right. Between Fortnite right. videos that you want to watch. And so when that is consistently pushed in the face of children, yeah. um, these are very, you know, undeveloped, extensive minds yet trying to take in all of these things, all of these emotion, all of these emotional uh, views, for example, like YBM and the, the TikTok that went viral is very powerful, very strong. Yeah. Um, and I see in how all of a sudden, a, a, you know, a, a huge wave of, of kids started making videos to it and identifying with it and being like, like as emotional as adults are reacting to it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so this is something, a burden that we've never seen on such young a young generation yeah. this is our first time right. and this is our first time seeing how that plays out as they get older uh and i think that has a lot to do with decisions that are made and the, the reason why anxiety is high higher than, than than before and you know just different things that these kids are going through um trying to kind of grasp the world in front of them in their phone yeah you know yeah. um and sometimes being able to vocally express that to their parents sometimes not because at the end of the day, this is the first generation of the internet, truly, yeah. whereas everything is the internet from birth. It's like mm -hmm. tablet in your face at one years old, you know? And so this is the first time. Maybe they'll understand more for their kids, but there's still a lot of parents who don't get it. Yeah. There's still a lot of parents and grandparents who don't understand this generation because they're just like, you know, no, you get up, you go to work, you make it happen. You know what I mean? Yes, they're used yes. to a certain way of life. Mm -hmm. Yet life is changing. Yes, very Life good. is changing. The way of life is changing. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, you know, I don't really know how to feel. I just know that I want them to feel heard. Mm -hmm. And um, I understand why the movements of Gen Z are so strong and so passionate. Um because I feel like these kids do feel attacked by other generations and yet feel sorry for other generations because they feel like the other generations are blind and are, are programmed mm -hmm. for the way that they respond to their emotional expression. And so um, there's a million ways to look at it. The end of the day is the more we communicate, the more we express ourselves and the more we talk to each other, uh, the more we we'll understand. And I think that's really all that matters. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And that's one of the things that I'm, 
that I, I I disagree with about like like cancel culture and and I I do think that some people pr- should be a limit like like uh, that Harvey Weinstein dude yeah get that guy out of here uh, Bill Cosby uh, for for all the controversy surrounding him get him out of here I mean just I'm sorry it's like that it's just not happening uh, but there are certain artists who are getting censored who are getting who are getting deplatformed who are getting uh, for things that they say. And there's no, there's no discord. There's no talking. There's nothing. It's just shut down and move on and, and don't talk to me if you're not agreeing with me. And, and I do find that to be a little, a little disconcerting because how do, you, how do you break barriers by putting up more barriers, if that makes sense? In control of the, cancer, of the cancel culture, though. I feel like that's a responsibility of everyone. It's not just one generation. Mm. I see a lot of people tried to cancel Kevin Hart mm. because he didn't want to apologize to an Oscars. And I'm pretty sure 90% of the people who were pissed were over 40. Mm. Yeah. And Caucasian. Yeah, you're right. So uh, it's a lot of millennials. Um, cancel too. culture is not necessarily on one generation. It's on everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and cancel culture is something that is developed truly mostly through trolling. Um, which is something that is out of control. <laughs> Trolling is out of control, okay? Yeah. And um, I never realized how bad it was until I went viral and dealt with seven, eight, nine thousand, you know, racist comments, emails and threats and, and, and DMs and all types of stuff that I went through in the last three weeks to allow me to see, wow, okay, cool, I get it. However, I do feel like I'm ready for it. But again, I notice things. I notice 25, 30 comments in a row, pages with no profile pictures and no follows. And I realize, oh, wait, these are generated. Yeah. They're all saying sort of kind of the same thing. They're all kind of. And so I think that also is something that needs to be seriously looked into and controlled and considered federal offenses where there's people out there with programs that are creating trolls that are creating a lot of tension for different reasons, rather that's LGBT community, race, whatever. A lot of these people who are part of this cancel culture um, and are victims of the cancel culture are also victims of this trolling Mm. manifest that's been happening since truly the Trump administration. (laughs) That was when it started. Yeah, absolutely. That first um, election was when the trolls became like, almost like a legal thing. Like it's okay for them to generate these fake accounts and harass you yeah. um, and, and create so much tension and problems. And that has been the complete downfall of the internet when it comes to like things getting blown out of proportion. A lot of it is not even real. Yeah. It, it, yeah, exactly. Those, <laughs> those, those fake accounts, man. And, and like, you know, there's, there's like real solid evidence that a lot of that was like foreign players, you know, creating issues within our country, using our our social social d- uh, discord against us. And, and I mean, that, and here's the thing: America does that too. It, it, like, it's not like it's not like we don't do that to other countries. We are in the business of overturning governments for resources and using any means necessary. So, uh, the fact that it's being done to us, not to say that I like it, but it's not a surprise. 
and so I, I do think that you you are hitting on something even more is like that there are external forces here and whether it's people from our homeland who are trying to create a discourse or trying to create uh, a, a wave of hate towards someone uh, or foreign players, it's like things have gotten so uh, uh, I don't even know how to say it. it's like they've just gotten so out of hand. And there's just so much information. There's just so much different information. Like the other day, uh, I read in Politico that um, that they were going to start censoring our text messages uh, be, uh, to stop misinformation uh, for vaccines. And the way the article was written, I think, was very confusing, and it threw a lot of people off. Uh, and the people were say like people just went nuts and was like, "What is this? They're going to start censoring our text messages uh, to stop misinformation? That's insane!" And then here's the part that they left out of the fucking article is that they were talking about you know how you get mass messages, um, just mass text messages, whether it's like people soliciting sex or whatever it is, they want to intercept those. And now that's a different thing because no one likes to be spammed on their fucking phone. You know, no one wants some misinformation spammed on their phone. I'm like sitting here like, wait, they're going to like, I'm going to be texting my friend about whatever I feel like. And then all of a sudden, because it might interfere with somebody, like who's making these decisions? And then you find out that it's, you know, that, that it's, it's, it's a different thing and, and it's probably in our best interest, but who knows, you know, like who, who fucking knows because they're still accessing. That's also, our- that's also the issue with journalism right now. Yeah. You know, the, the misread of the, the headlines and the titles and, yes. you know, everyone's kind of trying to get a, you know, clickbait. And yeah. so it's like clickbait is also becoming a huge part of misinformation. Uh, because the titles are just not truly what the story is about. And most people, like you said, are getting hit left and right with content. So they're not sitting there reading the full story. They're reading the the title in the first two, three lines or the summary under the caption and the, the photo. And then it says, hit the link in our bio to read the rest of the story. And they never do. And so that causes a lot of misinformation. However, those emails, those mass um, text messages are a pain in the butt. I'll be like, how did they get my number? I get so many mass text messages from just like fake companies or whatever it yeah. is. I never click them. But I'm like, how did they get my number? And I'm very particular about where I put my phone number and yeah. things like that. So I think that is something they need to look into. I mean, um, that's something that definitely aggravates me uh, for sure. <laughs> exactly. No, my wife... <laughs> is constantly getting solicited for like, you know, sexual uh, things. So it's like, where are these people coming from? And it's like group messages and people are going nuts, like stop texting me. (laughs) It's horrible, it's horrible. So I I can see like maybe they do need to put a stop to that. Um, And and, you know, you mentioned the media and the clicks and the clickbaits and like, you know, I know that there's a real issue here in America probably all over the world uh, uh, in regards to race and racism and bigotry and, and uh, you know, uh, especially uh, for, for people who, you know, like, like LGBT and just, you know, I know it, our, our country is rife with assholes, but how much do you think is manufactured through media in this sort of new clickbait age? Do, do you think a lot of this is um, overblown or do you think it's right on? They're hitting it right on the head. I think it depends on the situation. Mm. 
I think it's hit or miss. I think sometimes they do hit it on the head and it's like, whoa, this needs to be. Right. I'm glad we recognize this. We never recognized this before. Right. Uh, and then other times it's a whirlwind of trouble and it's a whirlwind of, I think that the political game activated something in the, and not just media, but just in uh, entertainment. And so it was like, oh, like they use these political strategies that they see and work for, you know, different administrations and go, okay, that worked to make this person look like a terrible person. And then no one voted for that person. So we could do that when we have beef with this person. And now you got these huge mega artists or labels or whoever have you with, you know, PR teams or whatever is doing this. And they're working the system the same way. Mm Political people have worked the system, you know, and then West, it's like, OK, now there's an Internet beef. And all of a sudden there's mad memes about this one person mm-hmm. who created them. Oh, it's memes on TikTok, on Twitter, no, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. No, who, who uses Twitter? I don't use Twitter. Who uses Twitter? Whatever. I've never seen a person in my life use Twitter, but whatever. <laughs> oh, oh, it's going viral on Twitter. All these people are posting about it on Twitter. Are they? <laughs> or is there just a team of seven people making mad memes mm-hmm. and having you guys shift, you know, get them out to all the blogs yeah. to promote this one person in this negative view or to promote this one thing that's going to promote the single mm-hmm. and this, you know what I mean, and this beef. And so I think that uh, the awareness of like when you're being played is something that number one, we're all starting to pay, pay attention to as well, but it's very obvious in a lot of these situations. And so that's why I say sometimes to sit or miss because mm-hmm. sometimes there's real people behind those accounts who are truly recognizing like, yo, wait a minute. Did you guys see the documentary on this? This sounds like something we should be paying attention to. Yeah. And, and other times it's kind of like, well, so-and-so is terrible. Look at everybody on Twitter talking about how awful this performance was. And it's because apparently they cheated on so-and-so. And And like, these are people's lives at stake, you know, like, and it's like, we're all doing it for a story in journalism, truly, or a beef or a promotion for a song. Well, and, and, but, but then if you go and look at like, you know, like just, just, I, I don't know, like the, the way that the media is sort of. When you look at how the media is, is working right now and how, how bad like these mainstream media institutions are, are are eating shit right now, because especially after the election, like people are just so exhausted from this last election and this last four fucking years. It was just a fucking nightmare. So it's like, you know, people are sort of tuning out of that. And so pe- so these companies constantly need to be generating these news organizations constantly need to be or uh, uh, constantly need uh, information or news that gets people to click on these on their their links and that's how they make money because they're not selling newspapers and msnbc had what on their best night of the week on a saturday gets sixty thousand viewers fucking there's there you get more views than (laughs) than fucking cnn and msnbc so it's like they're dying and so in in the process of of, of their death throes I feel like they're actually adding fuel to these flames and especially because when it bleeds, it reads, you know, like that's an old, that's an old saying in the, in the press field. So I, 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 I do, you know, again, I, I definitely want to recognize that there is definitely some, some fuckery, uh, with, with how people view, uh, people of color, LGBTQ community. But then I also think that it's, it, it's sort of, uh, pushed further, 
with media and with how they represent it. And, and how, and again, I go back to how they'll censor information, leave out information, um, just to sort of paint a narrative. And, and then, and then again, you go, if you question this narrative, now you're an asshole. Now you're, now you're racist. Now you're a Trump supporter. Now you're this, now you're that. And there's no discord. There's no talking. It's just like, click on this, believe this, or you're, or you're wrong or worse, you know? So, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't even know how we get out of this at this point, but I mean, do you, do you agree with that? Or, or, or do you think I'm just crazy? I, I, I mean, feel like there's a lot of false narratives um, amongst all news media. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there's been false narrative amongst African-American and LGBT communities since the beginning of time. For sure. And now that affecting other cultures, it's really an issue. Um, so I do believe that there's a lot of people from a lot of the feedback that I get just from my posts and stuff, who just like you say, might say, well, yeah, I get this, but what about this? Or like, I see a lot of that. And, and a lot of people like, well, this headline is not absolutely true. Or like, kind of like they feel like the headlines and stuff are fueling, like you said, like racial tension and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, rather it be good or bad for whatever the situation is, it is bringing light to it. Mm -hmm. However, I also feel like the usage of false narratives is not new. It's right. been something that have have, since Emmett Till has been a problem. Um, and it, for example, reason why Juneteenth is a holiday this year is because, uh, you know, there was Caucasians who burnt down the black, the blacks Wall Street and, and destroyed thousands and thousands of businesses and families and murdered millions, you know, thousands of people in two, three days. And it said, oh, there was a riot and two people were shot as the headline. Mm. Well, that's false information. That's not true. That's mis That's misleading. And that's what America did for very long, a very long time. Mm. Uh, so it's not a new thing. I think that it's just affecting everyone else now yeah. <laughs> and not just one group. Right. And so everyone's more aware of it, but it used to just affect one group or, you know, LGBT or just that, like, you know, but now that it affects, you know, a straight, a straight white male or a straight white woman or Karen Oh, it's so bad. Oh, it's so terrible. And so, so now, but I'm okay with that because it's bringing up the topic of discussion. And eventually the point is for everyone to be aware of this type of thing. And I believe that Gen Z or the future, you know, generations to come, whoever they may be, whatever the name might be in a few years, um, will be the ones to be able to sort it out because they again, won't be as programmed to a certain understanding of what America should be or look like. It is whatever we make it together, mm. you know? Yeah, uh, Eddie Styles says, uh, divide and conquer, baby. Push people further into extremism. Get people to hate, fear each other. Us versus them, tribalism. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's, I, I mean, I feel that most of the racial issues in the world could be traced back to imperialism and colonialism. And I agree with that. There's nowhere to hide now. It used to be easy to deny, ignore and deflect. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was one that was, that's what I liked about the, the BLM movement and, um, the, because they were highlighting these things that were happening for years and years and now that people people can't deny it now. There's cell phones, 
and I love that line, by the way. It's like the cell phone caught it, but the body cam died. Or, or I, I don't know. I always get words wrong, but I love that. that. Cell phones put it, but the body came die. Yeah, it's just uh, you know, like there's no hiding behind anything right now. Um, So it's uh, I forgot my point. Whatever, whatever. Yeah, we're talking about real serious things. Whatever. God, I'm such a dick. Uh, (laughs) There's nowhere to hide. Okay, if people are still blind today, it's because they're choosing to be ignorant. Yeah, you know, there's plenty of information out there. But 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 it, what's weird is that there are people out there, there are people out there who really generally are ignorant, who don't have access to the internet, that don't... I'm not making excuses for, for ignorance. I'm saying that there are people out there. And the biggest thing is to sort of have an open ear about these things because you don't know where people are coming from. You don't know who, what their past is. You don't know what they're made up of. And... and Again, I keep going back to the idea of um, shutting down the conversation. And it's like, I, I really, enjoy, I really, uh, again, I really liked what BLM was doing. But then again, it, it, it went to a point and then sort of like fell back. Like, I would have loved to see BLM marching in these neighborhoods, demanding, you know, funding for schools, demanding the right, fu- you know, like it, it, to rebuild these communities to, to because, you know, it, we have uh, there's histories, uh, uh, there's scars and hist- in the history of America where you have the redlining, you have just just all these policies, all these gerrymandering to sort of uh, to redirect funding and these and these uh these inner city communities just crumble and the schools are falling apart and and i i would have loved to see blm go and march for that march for these for for better funding and uh, you know i just why why is that blm's responsibility well because okay because i was getting i was getting to my point here because what i saw blm do is is sort of go and demand defunding police and then the outcome of that was now crime is up 40% in all these major cities and where's blm now and and then That's you have, false. is that well i know that there's still crime is not up because of them defunding the police most of those cities did not defund the police yet those things are not in effect crime minnesota, is up because minnesota of the though i'm sorry i just didn't want to put a false narrative out there okay okay fair enough fair enough uh, but but you have to admit that if there is less police and there's no one to sort of monitor what's going on. And I know it's the pandemic. And I'm not saying it's it's one race or another. I'm saying, yeah, Partland's homicides are up 800%. I'm just saying there is who's who's protecting people if no one's protecting themselves. Because obviously no one's protecting themselves. Like people are, you know, 800% is a lot. So, I mean, I, I'm not going to put it all on BLM. I'm not trying to blame BLM for, for this or that. I'm just trying to say that. I would have liked to see it kind of push a little further and maybe... I would like to see the KKK walk and march for school districts too. I would like to see the neo-Nazis that that were out there on the streets in Philadelphia just last week with their guns out, Mm -hmm. uh, who didn't get uh, tear gassed, who didn't get... Because make sure you remind yourself that when you ask these people to go out there and march, that they're getting tear gassed. They're in danger of dying, yeah. shot with rubber bullets and they're getting tackled and beat up and arrested, uh, which I have yet to see any KKK march uh, turn out that way, even though many people have been killed in these situations or neo-Nazi situations Mm -hmm. turn out that way. I think it's interesting when we ask the Black community to do all the work. Mm -hmm. And I think that we've done that for so long that it becomes a norm. 
Yeah. Okay. The Black Lives Matter is responsible for changing the school districts. The Black Lives Matter is responsible for getting the crime down and the murder rate. Yet there is only 16% African Americans in this country. Uh, and so, and, and, and out of 16%, about 4% of them are incarcerated. Mm-hmm. And out of that 12% that's remaining, about 3% of them don't even have the right to vote because they have a felony. Uh, so like, you know, when you get into the numbers, how many of us, how many people is left to do all this work? And how many times do we have to worry about our children and our family and our fathers being hurt or killed during the time that they take these chances Mm. with their life to go out there and stand for a cause? Um, And that's what I respect about the white people who have been out there with Black Lives Matter, because it takes more than one color to make it happen. Mm. And I think this is the consistent repeat. Why did no one ask the KKK to go march for 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 education? Well, because Why we know where they're... No, 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 no. Okay. they're compared to be the same thing, the extreme of the opposite, right? I say I'm that. talking about for sure. media. Please, please go ahead. It's on you. Why all lives matter can't march for the schools? Let's say all lives matter, for example. Mm-hmm. Why isn't all lives matter out there marching for for a new program to 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 help interfere with domestic crime, where we don't need cops to come and do extreme force? Um, and shoot down 16-year-olds like, you know, Makai Bryan, who was fighting for her life and yet was not able to tell her story because she was shot four times before she could explain what was happening or before anyone could say what was happening. Um, The extreme force, yet we can watch people go into a church and kill non-people and come out unharmed. I'm trying to figure out why we think it belongs on our backs African-Americans or indigenous people, it's not our responsibility. It's America's problem. It's everyone's problem. You can take the people in the suburbs that surround the 16 blocks of violence and have them come down and fight for the school districts and have them come down and fight for the, the police brutality, but they don't. They don't. They sit behind the computer and they say, why aren't we doing it? Mm-hmm. Why aren't we doing it? Why are we doing it? Because our kids are getting arrested, because our kids are they don't have their lack thereof. They don't have what they need to keep doing this and getting tear gassed when they probably don't even have insurance at the hospital to, to, to get something for their eyes afterwards. A lot of my friends being that. Um, so when you when you see it from within and you see how it affects uh, the neighborhoods that these riots take place in uh, and these businesses that get destroyed and these areas that get destroyed uh, in the midst of the frustration and anger and anxiety that these new kids and these millennials also have. Um, it's very easy to see how it's one-sided and it's how it's kind of all left up to us to make it, to make it better. Uh, and everyone else is kind of just sitting back like, well, let's see how this turns out. Mm. I support from here. Yeah. Twitter activists. You feel me? So no, I, I just, I, I just want to make sure we make sure we put out the narratives, the fact that like, there's been a lot of work done. Mm. Um, when George Floyd uh, was murdered on camera for nine minutes, um, there was a lot of people who went out there and risked their lives. And I think that's the part that they, they don't highlight is that when you go to protest, you are risking your life. You are risking your freedom. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to ask African-Americans to, Americans to do it just like they did in the Civil War. Go risk your life for us. Um, but I also feel like we need to highlight the fact that it's not just one person's fight. Yes, it is about one issue, one of many issues, but yet it is a, it's a everybody problem because as the generations continue to melt together, 
um, there's a lot of black and white parents like Dante uh, White's family where he has a white mother and a black father and was killed by a white Caucasian police officer as well in a quick over-enforced situation, just like many others that happens to people of color. Um, these are the things that people are starting to realize. There's grandparents with black um, grandkids who you know, go into different areas to party or hang with their friends, or maybe they just live in those areas and get into situations where they're profiled and no one even knows that their grandparents white. Um, this changes the narrative. The fact that we are melting together, we're merging together as a country. Um, there's a lot more mixed children. This generation is the mixed generation, the most mixed generation I've seen. Um, my little brother included, myself included. Beautiful. I'm Italian, Native American, and black. It's beautiful. I'm not just black, you know. So I'm half Mexican. Look at that. Out there. You know what I mean? But it's like. We need we need more eyes on it. And I think we need more support because when do we get a day off? Yeah. When do we get a day off? You know, so um, I just want, you know, just be empathetic to that. Mm. Not not even empathetic because they don't want your empathy. But I'd say aware of what we ask of certain movements that are also held by uh, ran by people whose life are in danger. Um, there's so many. BLM or just not even BLM. Um, there's also Freedom Change. There's a couple other. There's not just BLM. Right, right. There's there's a handful of um, you know African American police brutality focus groups. Also, like just Black communities or Indigenous community folks out there who are fighting for rights and awareness, and their lives are in danger. They get followed home by drones. Um, you know, they get threats and emails like I do just for my one song. You know, I'm not even an activist. Mm. I, I, I'm an activist in my own right, but that's not my main thing. I'm an artist and I'm getting those threats and emails and it's only been three weeks. So I could imagine people who've been doing it for months or a year, how dangerous it is for them. So just be aware of what it takes to ask people mm. to, to put this on their back and add that, you know, add that burden on their life um, because, it's, it's just as scary as being a police officer out there riding through the streets. You know, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what you're going to walk up into. You never know, you know, the day someone's going to plot against you. Um, you never know if your children are safe. If you just. Oh, no. Oh, no. No. Dang it. That sucks. <laughs> Well, this was this was heating up, right? <laughs> I know. Uh, let me see. She has to bounce on in twenty minutes. I know what's happening. I hate this. Um, let me see. Let me see. Um, here, let me switch screens real quick and talk to her and see if I can. Oh, she's coming back. She's back. She's back. Everybody, everybody was scared there for a second. <laughs> I got you. Oh yeah, I'm back. Here we go. I don't know what happened, but it's fine. Yeah, hey, we're back. We're back. Um, no, it, you know, and and thank you so much for going through that, and and thank you so much for explaining that, and and sort of giving me a, a, a sort of a new light on it. Um, the only reason why I bring that up is because even as you were mentioning these riots that were surrounding the BLM movement, um, and and then the ask, the big ask, which did, uh, you know, there were there are uh, certain cities in this country that did sort of listen 
And uh, like Minnesota, for instance, um, and it was already state, you know, Portland crime is up 800%. I, I only brought that up because they, because BLM went into these communities and because of these, because of the times, you know, violence broke out and they're asking for uh, the defunded police. But then a year later, you have all this crime rising. And, and, you know, I won't put it all on BLM or anything, but that's why I bring it up. And that's why, you know, and, you know, when when you were talking about KKK members marching for school districts, it's like they're white. Their school districts are probably fine anyways. Right. Like they're not they they're assholes like, oh, like it, it, the problem is, is that uh, is that we they came into these different neighborhoods. A lot of things got burnt down and then they left. And, and and I know they're still out there marching and they're doing good work. And it's not just BLM, you know, and I'm not trying to put it all on BLM. But BLM was the biggest and most noted. Um, but BLM also came and marched for police brutality. Right. That was their focus. Of course. A lot of the fires and riots that started, started by white Caucasians yeah. in the crowd, Antifa, yeah. left-wing extremists. And that right has wing. proven, yeah. but no one's talking about them. But but they these are the things that them. have continuously um have continuously uh, infiltrated blacks trying to make a point right. is always some sort of other comp, some sort of other group infiltrating African-Americans protests and then we'll get blamed for it. Or it's, it's, it's just thrown in there like, yeah, well, black, black lives matter did marches and now their communities are burned down. Is that what it all, that's the end of it? Well, no, it's a lot deeper than that, but we don't want to, break it down like that. I just want to remember the fact that, uh, pay attention to the fact that they came to March for police brutality. Mm. That was their focus. If we want better schools, then there needs to be a group that does that. They can't okay. do it all, you know? No, no, no. And so and, and I don't it's not think just that better schools. have the right to say that it's our responsibility as Black Lives Matter mm. or any activist group to fight for the other things when the school districts of these different areas are ran by also white people and black people of color and mixed people of that area, they could be putting together protests. They could be putting together, um, you know, um, uh, uh, strikes to get more money, which I personally see a lot in Philadelphia. So I'm not sure about every different area. Mm. However, I do know in Philadelphia, there's been a lot of defunding the schools way long before defunding the police. For sure. And that's our point is like we defund the schools every single year. And that's but bullshit. we said, can we defund the police so that we can, and we're leaving out the part that we're saying defund the police and create a program yeah. for domestic violence. Yeah, and, and more, more than just domestic for, for violence. Less yeah. force, for less force. Right. It was a bad marketing years. tool. It was a bad marketing tool. That's all. No, yeah, it, no, 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 no. Listen to what I'm saying. I am mediators I am. for the community that can come out and say, listen, this is what's going on to the officers before they go in and shoot and kill someone's kid because they called and said, hey, my kid is having a mental breakdown. Can you please come? I don't want them to hurt himself for me mm. because they're emotional. Yeah. And then they come and they shoot and kill Walter Wallace in Philadelphia in front of his mom. 17 times they shot this kid because he had a knife and he was 10 feet away from him. That is what Black Lives Matter is talking about. That is what we're not paying attention to. That is what pisses me off. Mm. And that's what Gen Z is talking about. That should be the focus. Why did this kid 
gets shot 17 times in front of his mom after his mom screamed to the police, please don't hurt my son. He's going through a mental breakdown. We need help. They could have tased him. They could have maced him. They killed him in front of the entire neighborhood. Now all these kids that were out there because it was a big group are traumatized. They got to see a dead body in the middle of the street bleeding out, a mama crying over the body, all because we called for help from the police and said, could you help us, please? This kid is going through a mental thing. That's what we mean by defunding the police. And that is all we mean. We don't mean for crime rates to go up. Crime rates are going up because of all the people who bought guns, which is their right. Because the most guns ever was sold during the pandemic. There has been a two year time frame of absolutely no structure for for youth in the inner cities because Mm -hmm. they have not been in school. So for, you know, for centuries, there has been structure. You go to school, you get into extracurriculum activities. You get, you know, you go somewhere where you can get your energy out and you run around and you do something good with your time and your and your energy as a kid. Gone. So now these kids are outside and these kids are outside with nothing to do. You know why? Because in the inner cities, the basketball courts are closed. The rec centers are closed. The pools are closed. But in, in, the, in the Santa Monica in Los Angeles over here, they're still, they were still open, but in Los Angeles, in the inner cities, I live in the city. I seen all the basketball courts closed. So just recently, so mm-hmm. Jake, they closed it until we opened up fully, but Santa Monica was open. Those yeah. kids could still play. Oh yeah. There was some so bullshit. This, <laughs> these are the, these are the, the slants of mm-hmm. where it's like, well, yeah, the suburbs, they're still kind of able to do things, but inner cities because of population and how many people there is and the dangers of COVID, which also affect a lot of the African American community. Yeah. Yeah, these More kids can't lot. play. Yeah. So what are they doing? They're outside. They're getting in trouble. Mm. They're doing whatever. You know what I mean? And so that's all I'm saying is like, don't just say one thing mm. and say, look at how this happened after this. Well, There's so much in between. Of course. And just like a headline on a, on a page. Don't yeah. be a headline. Because it's dangerous well, for that's someone why I else wanted to talk. Well, that's why so we're you talking. You run with that narrative, you know but, what but, I mean, and be like, "Oh, but actually, that's not something right. I go out and just, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going off of just because I know that there is, there is controversy surrounding this com- company. They seem to be a company now that, uh, now that the leaders are living in Topanga Canyon, but um, the, the. Well, Cartagena says, uh, why not also focus on black and black crime, which causes far more deaths and trauma? Um, What's, what is black on black crime? Uh, that well, doesn't exist. How, can you explain Black on black crime doesn't exist. It's not a real thing. Can white you, on white crime exists. How, right? how, can you explain that? That doesn't exist. Oh, it so exists. black on black crime the is mo- not a real thing. It's something that was used for people to literally use in this matter of profiling black on black crime. Mm-hmm. It's not real. It's just crime. In America, we have crime across America. When a white man kills another white man, they don't say that's white on white crime. Mm. Black on black crime is a narrative. It does not exist. You want to know why? Because when you go into these neighborhoods, if you've ever been, you'll see that not all these people who are engaged in violence are all black. Some of them are Mexican. Some of them are Asian and Korean or Filipino. Mm. Some of them are just mixed. So black on black crime does not exist. It's not a real thing. It's something that they use to try to say, oh, look at the black community. They're violent. This is why we go in with so much extensive force. Mm. And yet the people who mention the words black on black crime out their mouths never lived in our neighborhoods. So they wouldn't know. I'm guessing. Cartagena so unless has... you live in a black neighborhood, black on black crime shouldn't even come out your mouth well, because you don't 
you don't know what what it really means. Okay, let let me just stop you just for a second. First of all, I, I did grow up in 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 the in the hood. Uh, in the hood. Uh, do you consider the hood? Where, what area? Uh, South Toledo, South Toledo, Toledo, Ohio. It's in the Midwest. It's inner city. Um, in Ohio. It, it 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 it's it's it's. I mean, it's as it's as shitty as it gets. Um, in in this neighborhood. I lived in I've lived in white neighborhoods too. You yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, me too, too. Obviously, but there was a lot of white and white violence there. Yeah, know? but but here's the thing. Also, is is that and, and by the way, Cartagena is. Um, I, I'm pretty sure he grew up in it, and um, also he has. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's melanated as well. Uh, he. Uh, <laughs> to see black black crime <laughs> but when you look at statistics and i know i saw you holding saying how, how statistics are skewed when you do look at statistics and you see minorities uh it, do tend to kill the most minority when murder goes down uh when murder is happening in these communities whites kill the most whites mexicans kill the most mexicans blacks kill the most blacks so there are actual numbers and data that sort of back up now whether you want to call it black on black or mexican on mexican crime i guess that's just, uh, just you however you want it's to use those crime. words but it's I'm, just crime okay yeah it doesn't make a difference it doesn't have anything to do with why people are fighting but for i think it does and i think it does because of how these neighborhoods are constructed how the scars of time have sort of created these na neighborhoods that that sort of encase people in these situations and it, it, in the defunding of the schools and the gerrymandering of lines i do think that this is sort of history the scars of but history the bubbling that are up on camera, the people who are on camera getting killed by police are not the ones that are violent that's the problem. Well, George Floyd was a violent for, was a violent criminal. He wasn't violent. He wasn't Not there at the moment, killing but, other men. No, you're right. He but, wasn't there killing. Hold on. Okay. Who please. cares what type of person he was? I agree. He committed. But you a said he wasn't he violent. That's crime, all I'm saying. He should. If he, he wasn't violent on that video that no, I saw. Yeah, you're right. I, he wasn't violent. I'm I'm sorry. He, even said he it. Was he was like, "Yo, could you look? What did I do? What's wrong?" So look, no, no. Listen to what I'm saying I, I before you talk about a man that's dead who can't defend himself. Hey, 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 hold on. Listen to what I'm no, saying. No, no, no. Listen to what I'm I, saying. I, I, I know what I know what you're saying, but but to to deny the fact that he wasn't a criminal is is is, is disingenuous. Hold on, time out. He I doesn't deserve to die. He didn't deserve to die. He does not deserve to hold die. Hold on, time out. Why are we talking about him being a criminal? Because that's the reason why he that's the reason why he was stopped in the first place it was because he was because they said he had counterfeit twenty dollars exactly and, and he didn't deserve to, be, to die he, he did not be, deserve to die he deserved to be choked and no no not at all no 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 you put that in my you're saying that or do we have to go through the list of the scammers of of, of, of Caucasians in this company I'm because not saying that talk about money scams only that. white people gonna be the ones to get away away with that so we don't want to go there when we talk about money scamming because we got no, how we're many we're not talking about money scamming we're not you're, you're changing right, the subject right, right. you're changing okay, so the we're not talking about their crimes we're, okay right? we're fair enough we're talking lives. about they do not deserve That's to die black lives. it's bullshit black lives matter i just want you to know not that i think it's crimes. bullshit that he black died. Look, look, you're black lives lg you're lives. talking louder you're talking louder instead of having a conversation and i want to have a conversation with you and i want you to know that i do agree being offensive bro you're being offensive. You're gonna say that. Am I being offensive? Me, oh, George, I'm in the middle of talking, and you're like, George Floyd is. A, we're not gonna say he's not a violent. That's not my point. My point is Please. that when these offenses, this is why I said de-escalate domestic violent crimes, mm -hmm. because the problem is we're confusing 
gangbangers and street crime and drug wars with innocent black men who are who are doing regular things, living their lives in traffic stops like Sandra Blonde or sleeping in her bed like Brianna Taylor. And, and we're mixing the two up. We're playing with the toy gun, which you're more allowed to buy from a store in, in the yard. Like Tamar Rice, who's 12 years old, got shot down by the police. These are the situations where we say, where does the line get crossed? Where does the boundaries end? Do we say because there's crime and there's gangbangers and there's uh, uh, drug dealers that all black men who are in, in are doing something suspect should be killed or use extensive force whenever we're encountered by police? No, that's the issue. The same type of crimes created in white neighborhoods, people are not dying over. Now, if there's white mobsters and there's a shootout no i understand i get it I, mean, I get that but if there's a white kid with a fake you know toy gun he's not getting shot down by the police it's and just I, not happening i agree and with that's you. what we want to change and that's I, all can i all that other stuff is bs but i just want you to know that i i agree with what you're saying like i agree that police need to fucking be held accountable i agree that that fucking asshole should be in prison and getting fucked over however in the worst ways he's a piece of shit and i hope he fucking dies in that place i'm not saying it, like like here's the problem is that you created this whole narrative and and i i think the thing is that we agree with each other I just said the wrong thing at the wrong time. I do, I do agree with you that the police need to be. But the police do need to talk about who he was as a man at all because who he was as a man had nothing to do with why he was killed, and that is the issue. The people who think they're helping us are making it worse because they're still putting out a narrative for some redneck to use to say it's 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 the same thing. The reason why it really got under my skin is because so many people commented that Mm -hmm. on YBM. So many people commented that and followed up with black black on black crime. Though you guys kill each other way more. Oh, he deserves to die because he was violent he was a criminal don't break crime you won't see i didn't say that though i didn't you don't don't even understand how disgusting it made me feel inside to hear you say that out your mouth and for you to say you're an ally that is the confusion that you guys continue to mix in the two emotions and confuse the fact that we're not focusing on this man who in his life he might have made mistakes Mm. in his life he might have committed crimes just like everyone else i've committed crimes yeah. I've gotten car tickets. I've been arrested. Some shit I didn't even do, but I just said I was guilty because I didn't want to get in trouble. I'm a college graduate. I pay my taxes. I'm a, I'm a business owner. I'm an artist. I don't deserve to die. I, agree. I don't want to be killed by police and someone to say that I was a criminal hmm. because I made mistakes 10 years ago that I haven't done in a long time, you know, because I got into a fight at school because I was being picked on and then they locked me up and said I was a criminal. These are the things that desensitize the violence that we deal with in our communities by police brutality. I just want to make sure we can we can stop putting the war on drugs and the gangbangers with the innocent lives that are being killed by police. Because 90% of those cases that make the news, that make the headlines, are outrageous because the people who were hurt in them did not deserve to have that much force used against them at that time. Hmm. I'm not saying that there's not millions of other cases that we do not argue about where their people are violent, they have guns and they're shooting at the police, there's a shootout, and that's why they got killed by the police. No one's arguing about those cases. We're saying the people who are unarmed, Hmm. 
handcuffed. Six cops, four cops, two cops, whatever. They're clearly not a danger to these cops are getting killed, getting taken away from their families, getting taken away from their children, getting taken away from their mothers. Why is this the, the norm? Why is the same situations being de-escalated in white communities, but become a, a, a murder scene for black communities in situations where it does not need to be that, that, that much force? And so we need to defund the billions of dollars we're giving to these people who are just out here on a freaking on a on a on a on an ego trip because I, I just watched a recent you, uh, video yesterday of, of of cops in Philadelphia. They were black cops. They were black cops. So we're not saying this is just a white cop problem, but there's also black cops who mm -hmm. abuse their power. Of course, these cops were also harassing these young kids. And one of the kids is a really funny. He's a comedian. He blew up on TikTok. Super innocent, like super sweet kid. And he's just like, hey, oh, he's clearly terrified. The cops got their guns out. And they ran a stop sign and he's just like scared. And the cops like, put your phone down. He's like, I'm just recording because I'm scared. And the cops smacked this phone out of his hand. This is all on the Internet now. And, and it was just like, put your phone down. Okay. He's like, I'm sorry, bro. He's like, I'm not your bro. Like this guilt, just, just on a freaking power trip. Mm -hmm. This just happened two days ago. Yeah. Why is that type of force? Their guns are out on these 16, 17, eight year olds in this car. Yeah. And it's like that type of force is the, is, is how little things happen. And all of a sudden, Bullets is flying. And now kids are killed by police. And now there's a story on the news. The kids ain't have no guns in the car. They were good school school kids. They had straight A's, whatever, comedians on TikTok. That fast is a bad story, you know? So I just I just want to make sure we don't go highlighting people's past that can't defend themselves as an excuse for why we feel anyway, because they have that has nothing to do with what the cops did. The cops signed a paperwork and signed up for a job and put a badge on and decided to work for the people. But they're just not working for all the people all the time. And there is good cops out there. I say that all the time. I have cop friends, all of that, family members that are cops. But it's the situations like George Floyd and like Tamar Rice and like uh, Mike Brown. And just like there's situations where it's like that person could be alive today. Mm. And, and no one else realizes that that affected 25, 30 people that were in that person's family. Yeah, a whole community, a whole community. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and the whole community might be affected in the moment because everybody moves on, but the family forever will be affected. And so when it happens over and over again, times 30 family members, that affects a lot of our community. We ain't the biggest numbers in this, in this country. That's all we're saying. So you're saying, and this is from Cartagena uh, I'll chat, he's saying, so you're saying BLM is a single issue organization focused on police use of force, same as Second Amendment activists only focused on gun rights. I'm not sure. I'm not saying that because I'm not part of BLM per se. I respect what BLM does. I'm a part of, you know, fighting for what's right in, in the black community, in the indigenous people community and LGBT community. Uh, I fight for all of those things. I feel like Black Lives Matter's focus was last year was police brutality because of the stir up of anger from George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and also the young man who was jogging, who was killed by an ex-police officer 
who was not an officer. And, and there's a lot of instances like that that we don't mention where white uh, Americans like or Mexican-American, we call them Mex- white Mexican-Americans, um, like Zimmerman, who also killed black unarmed people and feel like they are validated because there's this perception of black crime, black on black crime, black violence. And so they see a black person in their neighborhoods and think, oh, we have to be on guard Mm -hmm. because this black kid's walking down the street with a city on and then they kill an innocent person. And they're not even, they're not even authorities, but because of the notion of this, we have the right to protect ourselves against black crime or black violence you know these situations happen too often there's not i've never in my life heard a a, a black neighborhood person rather than neighborhood watch or ex-police officer or ex-military shooting and killing a white person in their neighborhood because they felt threatened and so my focus when i speak is why do we feel so threatened threatened right that's the part where we gotta we gotta desensitize how we look at black men. They're under attack. Black women. When I raise my voice and say no, that's not right. You, people get intimidated mm-hmm. because I'm black, and so that is why we have. It. But yeah, we can watch the view, and these white women can yell and scream, but no one's intimidated by them because they're white women. You understand what I'm saying? So we need to desensitize that Mm. for everyone. And that will help us understand, you know, look, these situations that are heightened don't need to be there. If you're not scared, you would understand that. But most of you guys are scared. And that's what caused. Well, I I just want, so just so you know a little bit about my own personal experience, my son is black. My wife is black. I'm half Mexican. I grew up in the hood. Like, fuck it. I'm very, I'm well aware of these things. And and I don't want you to think that I'm just some peckerwood out here fucking just just giving you a hard time uh, because I agree with most of what you're saying. And I I, I did not mean to offend you by by bringing up his criminal past at all. Like, that wasn't my intention. Uh, But my intention was to draw the point that that he was in handcuffs for a reason. And what was the reason in handcuffs? For passing a fake bill. We we did we did they prove that? I I don't know, but the thing was is that but that's you just why he said was, that it was your look. You just said it, but you didn't look into it. Did you find? Did anybody ever? Okay, find so it? was there was there a fake? But I'm, I'm I am saying was there, I'm asking you. Was you said reason. it. I didn't say it. Okay, let's look it up. Let's let's Google it. Let's look it up. Did, did they put it in evidence? Is it in evidence? Did they show it in court and say, "Hey, this is why the cop was there. This is the twenty dollar bill that was fake." You know, I I've never seen the video or anything. Let me let's look at and and like that's the thing. It's like you know, cops were called. He did not deserve to die. I'm glad that that fucking asshole's rotting in prison. I'm not here. I'm not here trying to defend any of the actions that were taking uh, taking place that day. Uh, I'm only saying that there was a reason that he ended up in handcuffs. Everything after that was fucking totally egregious, and I fucking found it disgusting. And it was like you're saying that there was a reason he ended up in handcuffs, but you have absolutely no knowledge of the proof. Uh, okay. This so is our issue with America. Was, this is our issue with headlines, and this is our issues with trolls. And it's sometimes it's the people who are trying to do the good things who also are part of the problem because they are not investigating it themselves. They're being told by the news headlines, this is what happened, and we're believing it. Hold on. So I would like to see the counterfeit bill 
or proof of it, and okay, then I'll so here, Here's Google. Since we're, we're mentioning it. The, here's Google. Uh, he was murdered uh, he, while being arrested on suspicion of using a counterfeit $20 bill. This is Google, and can't take Google for shit because Google censors information to fit a narrative. So, um, so there. I mean, for just basic sense, he was under suspicion of using it, and that's why he was in handcuffs. So... That was the only reason. Okay, uh, that was the only. Uh, I'm sorry. I saw. I see Eddie is writing a big old paragraph here, and I do want to. I do want to read it, Eddie. But uh, that's the only reason why I brought it up. I, I wasn't trying to say that George Floyd deserved to die because he made fucking mistakes in his life, you know, and, and mistakes that he was born into. Not not calling him a mistake, but like the fact that he was born into a situation where you don't have footing in the first place, uh, and then having a life to have to live through that. Uh, you know, like that. That's what I'm saying. These neighborhoods uh, get neglected and they let and they're just the people there the schools and everything just get neglected and left to to their own devices and how are people expected to come out of that when you do see trauma every day when you are seeing these these horrific things every day in the streets you know gunshots and shit i remember as a kid having to hearing gunshots down the street like that was normal for us so it's you know coming out of those neighborhoods it's hard you're traumatized and so you can kind of see how people can lead a path that's not so righteous and get caught using a counterfeit $20 bill or suspected of it so uh, you know again this is not a reason for a man to die that's a horrible thing it's horrifying it was a horrifying thing to see um but Eddie Styles says, getting us to focus on skin color is how they are dividing and conquering us. Instead of directly focusing on the police brutality, injustice, etc., they are splitting mm. us into two factions, those who think mm. skin tone shouldn't matter and those who believe it does matter. They did this back in the 50s and now it's happening all over again. People are falling for the racism, skin tone, identity, obsession thing again. Because the truth is, it's happening to people of all skin colors. So united, we are strong. Divided into skin tones, we are weak. And um, you know, yeah, that that that's an interesting point. Uh, it's and then so, uh, please, what do you have a retort? I like, I like what he said. I agree with that. And and again, that's why I get so um, riled up about certain things because it's very important that we are aware of what we put out there and what we say because. Um, people will run with our words yeah. and use them against us. And, and I appreciate um, you, us, like, and I appreciate. Us. I and I do appreciate you taking me to task too, because yeah, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I want to be, you know, I don't want to be out there fucking saying bullshit and dumb shit. And so if I am wrong, and I appreciate that you um, that you stuck in it and and that we're still talking and that you didn't just end the conversation and, and walk away. So I I really appreciate that. Um, behind the suit says it's kind of like young people be like. Yo, old people, why are you holding on to the past? It's racist and kind of bad. Then others are like, nah, it wasn't me. I didn't do anything. I'm not racist. Things don't need to change. Friends is a show for everyone. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Friends is a show for everyone. Like, there are factions, but there's a huge age divide on that. Nostalgia has been very weaponized. So when you think of, like, um, Kendi, um, uh, man, I know his, I, I'm reading his book right now. That um, uh, What's his full name? Uh, do you know who I'm talking about? Kendi. He's a he's a he's a professor, and he uh, especially on critical race theory. You know, we're talking about skin tones and and focusing on it. And there's a part in the writing. Oh my God, Pizza Jam! What's going on, buddy? Welcome in. Uh, 
<laughs> Thank you for the one-man raid, my friend. Uh, we're talking to LG, uh, amazing and incredible lyrical genius. That happens to be your name as well. Um, and, and I forgot what I was even saying. So there you go. I guess that... Well, oh, Kendi was saying that there has to be sort of a... Um, a uh, uh, that the roles do need to be reversed in discrimination. That there is a call that he is ca not calling for, but there has to be sort of a reverse in discrimination against whites on a certain level. Is that something that you would agree with? That that there should be sort of a discrimination against um, whites? I don't it, think there should be discrimination against anyone. And, and you know what? I don't want to mix up the words. I, I shouldn't be yeah. quoting Kendi because he's a pretty important figure. Uh, but I, guess what I, I feel like maybe what he's saying is like if the shoe was on the other foot, there right. would be more understanding of what it feels like. Yes. Yes. And and I think that's where... I don't want to I don't want to tell you the name of this book. So let me just see. Black. I think it was called Black Skin. This is a, um, there's a book I've read years ago when I was in high school. It's a very deep uh, book um, about a white man who was a, um, I want to say he was a, like a therapist or like he studied sociology. I'm not really sure. I can't mm -hmm. remember all the details. I understand. Uh, but anyway, he went through a transformation somehow where like his skin became a little darker. He mm -hmm. um, was doing something. I forgot what he was doing, but there was a whole book about his experience about how people started to treat him in public as he started to get darker and darker. Um, I want to think, I think it's called Black, Black Skin... Yeah. it's a good book man and basically like he's breaking down the Gosh. psychology of like how it feels to be a black man in mm -hmm. america and obviously this took place also like in the i want to say like the 70s 60s or 70s or mm -hmm. something like that but he was saying how he felt so like he was having anxiety at the, t at the time. There really was no description for it. I'm sure maybe the word anxiety was made up. I don't know. Right, I feel like right. no one knew it was anxiety, but he was just expressing anxiety and a fear and like anger to how people stopped holding the door for him. Yeah. People started to grab their purses. Women, when they were walking mm -hmm. by him, um, people started to throw, you know, ugly looks and roll their eyes. And like, and, and literally he would dress the same, he had money, he would dress the same, he would have the same presence he had before, but he was being treated so much differently differently because he was darkening his skin. And granted, he wasn't becoming dark skin, but he was just becoming more melanin right. with whatever treatment he was doing. Uh, but he he wrote down all his, you know, his studies and, and like it was this big study he did about that transition to being the black person in america is what they would say but um it was deep how it mentally affected him mm. and he was that was a big part of his notation was like wow I, I thought that maybe i might feel anger or maybe feel you know frustration in public but i never thought that once i got home in my house mentally how it would affect me yeah. the anger and frustration he would still have the sadness he felt because people treated him so differently um just because of the way he looked. Yeah. So that's a huge, huge part of it. 
yeah. um, that I think we're, we're we're all very much aware of, and I think that might be what this uh, this doctor is talking about, or professor is. Mm. If you put yourself in our shoes, it is, it's a lot easier to understand what we're saying yeah. than for us to try to explain it to you. And it's just like, you know, I'm not from, let's say, I don't know, I'm not from Poland, or whatever. I've been to Poland. Now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, if they're like Polish people are being treated this way, and I'm not Polish, it's like, yeah, that's messed up. But at the end of the day, I don't really know what that feels like. So I don't know, you know, yeah. that feels like. And right. so it's like, yeah, I get it when I see something wrong. It's like, well, I get it. That happened because this happened. They shouldn't have done this. But if this wouldn't have happened, that wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Yet what I don't see is the other times before where nothing was going on and, and the people that are being, you know, discriminated against are not doing anything or all the times those situations were dodged. And like my situations where there's been very simple times when I was in college, I, like I said, I was a party promoter and we're driving to my party and we're getting pulled over in college in East Stroudsburg, which is like, they're bored. The cops are bored. There's nothing to do, but bother us. <laughs> and, and it goes from, you know, us getting pulled over like, yeah, we're college students to like guns being pulled out on us. Right. And it's like, it escalates so quickly for no reason. And it's like, yes, that situation was dodged, but the less situation as a whole that happens, the less times, you know, very violent things happen or very unfortunate things happen. So I think the the whole mental thing is to try to get overall, like the idea, like your voice said, Eddie was saying is the idea of this look of a person is bad, dangerous, violent. Um, and, and, and again, that black on black crime stigma is so strong yeah. when you say black on black crime, well, you guys kill each other all the time, uh, but like a lot of people don't talk about white on white or Mexican on Mexican or Asian on Asian. There's all right. types of crime, but they say, they, they stop this right. black on black in our head. So that is such a household thing, even in white houses, yeah. even in white neighborhoods where there's no black people, they're talking about black on black crime. Why? So now when someone's murdered and it's on TV, it's like, oh, well, I'm sure they probably thought that he was violent because, and they don't even know nothing about the man. Yeah. They don't even know nothing about the people. And so like, it's, it's, it's a real big symbol, like symbolism and just like back of the mind programming of what black is and, and, and when you see black person in your neighborhood, how to react, how to feel. You know, I don't feel away when I see a white person walking down the street in my neighborhood, you know, but even me as a black person, if I'm in an all white neighborhood, which I've been in before and I see a new black person, there was times before I'm like, oh, who's that? Like, I knew they weren't from there because I'd never seen them before. Yeah. You understand? But I never say, like, who's that white kid walking down the street? Who's that menace? Who's that menace walking? We are trained to acknowledge that this is. Uh, this is bizarre mm-hmm. like you know and it's like why do we feel that way yeah you know and, all of us and, yeah and and i absolutely agree with you I, and i think we all have our own biases and in, in in certain situations in certain contexts and 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 yeah i mean it is it, it, i don't know it, i I, I, I really appreciate you talking to me about this stuff. And, um, and, and you know, I, 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 I want to talk about your music because I'm really interested in, in, in what you're about to do. Like, what, what, where do you see going, especially coming off the success of YBM and um, 
do you see yourself kind of taking on this message and keeping it going to sort of, uh, you know, I'm not trying to say recreate the the spark, but do you see yourself sort of taking this message and, and going further with it in your music or do you just just doing you? I feel like, well, I've been doing this a long time. Mm. YBM just took off, but like I have a song called Burning Crosses mm. where I basically express and identify um, systematic racism long before the term was created. I dropped that video in 2018. Mm. I directed that as well. I was still living in Philly at the time. And basically it was just like, a, it starts with an opening scene from 1958 where there's a slave, I mean, not 19, but 1858 or something around that time frame. And there's a slave being chased by slave owners. He's trying to get away. And then it like shows him running. It transitions to a boy running in 1958 and being chased by white men who are just chasing him with baseball bats, like looking for him. And then it transitions to a kid running in 2018 through the woods being chased by police. Wow. And so there is a constant repeat in our society uh but with a change of title um and so now it's the police before it was maybe like back in the day neighborhood watch or whatever because they i feel like we had a lot of that back then uh and then before that it was uh, plantations slavery and all of that but the black man has been running a long time yeah. <laughs> and so um I, I just want i had highlighted that in that video and, and from 2018. So a lot of people are also going back to that and being like, whoa, mm. this was already out. But, you know, yeah. and it kind of have a, it had a viral moment, but it was before TikTok. Mm. Um, but it had a viral moment on Instagram. Gotcha. And um, again, my whole point of that video was to show uh, systematic, systematically how we've been dealing with the same thing Um for a very very long time and, and then prior to that i dropped the video uh, a song called kingdom where i also talk about police brutality but i also talk about violence in black communities and i also talk about um you know just lack thereof of unity uh, which affects all of these things and so um there's a lot of music by me that is much like Bobby. Mm. Now, this is not the first time I've done it mm. because it's who I am. And so these are issues that stay on my mind. These are things that um, I think about that affect my friends, you know, and not just my black friends. I have white friends who've uh, been, you know, very, very severely uh, hurt by police yeah. um, who are of our culture, who are tatted up and dress like us and swag like us because they're from our neighborhood who also get profiled. Uh, so, you know, I think that is my biggest focus. It's like, not so much about just a color, but a culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? Our culture, like I said, Wabian, the culture, mm. the, the culture of hip hop and entertainment and rap and swag and dance and twerking and whatever, and how we kind of categorize what, a criminal looks like based on that. And um, yeah, yeah, no, I, affects one race. Like you said, it affects a lot. I see a lot of Mexicans get profiled us mm -hmm. in Los Angeles being here, Puerto Ricans in Philly and New York and like white kids in, in the hood neighborhoods or in the white neighborhoods too, who are just more, you know, from, from rougher neighborhoods, move to the white neighborhoods in the Northeast or suburbs and get treated just like black people do. <laughs> um, you know, so it's like, it's a culture thing as yeah. well for me. I feel like more than ever. 
you, especially you, with us mixing so much like you said yeah. you have a black kid yeah like we're all mixing together yeah, it's, it's like now that we're mixing so much it's not about just black people right dante white wasn't just black yeah he was white too yeah but he was treated in a in a, in a way that it was profiled um so, yeah uh eddie agrees eddie agrees uh what what you know you mentioned uh you know uh, white folks from the neighborhood you know swagged out and stuff uh it just brings up the idea of cultural appropriation and and that's been a big thing uh, as of late as well what's your opinion on that what do you mean by cultural appropriation as far as just like how uh you know like the world's emerging just like you know like well yeah be, or, or yeah i'm sorry i guess that was a poorly worded question is like what well, do you do you have negative feelings towards someone who might i don't know there was an incident at a college where a white kid had dreadlocks and, and there was a a black young lady who was like you shouldn't be doing that i mean in that situation i mean in that kind of context where it's like you know kids white kids wearing baggy jeans well that's not even a thing about, i just dated myself uh you know it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like but you know white kids dressing black and, and and all that stuff or and white white rappers and all that stuff uh in that context how what how do you feel about it well i feel like people feel away because so much of our culture I want to say we we influence a lot. Um, black culture influences a lot of what's in and what um, what sells as well. Like it's you know it's cool to look a certain way. It's cool to have a certain swag. And so um, I feel like there is a lot of our culture that has been um, kind of put on the forefront and like mainstreamed, just like hip hop music um, and rappers, uh, but. I have no issue with a white guy with dreads. Um, so some of my closest friends in my life are are white or, you know, one's like Irish and Italian. One was, you know, straight up Italian. My boy Shiz, uh, Sean Michael Neal, he was actually killed um, in 2013. Mm, um, because, uh, again, his lifestyle. Um, but he was a really close friend of mine. And he was a rapper and he grew up in worse neighborhoods than me. <laughs> I mean, he came up, you know, let's be real. KNA, Ken's Allegheny, Kansas, Philadelphia is the worst opioid epidemic in the entire country. And it's Eddie, thank you so much for that subscription. And and can I just say, followed by Ohio, who is number two in, in the opioid epid epidemic. So, yeah, <laughs> neighbors. Really, you know, they had a documentary on it too, and it's like, these kids, these the people who are a part of this opioid uh, epidemic are white mostly. Most of them yeah. are white. Yeah, huge, like largely eighty percent or more. And those those people have children, <laughs> and those children grow up, you know, in difficult situations, and they grow up in our neighborhoods, and they grow up like us. Rather, it's, you know, just not with the same advantages of school, you know, dealing with the same type of profiling, whatever. They grow up just like us. And my boy, Sean, he grew up just like anybody else I've met from the hood uh, and, uh, you know, tatted up rapper. Who am I to say he's not who he is? Yeah. Who am I to say he's not influenced by where he lives and who he lives around? Who am I to say that? 
if he's being true to himself, I have no problem with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think more of the culture appropriate problems come in when we see more like influencers try to do certain things that aren't culture appropriate, where it's like, oh, this person, you know, a lot of people, for example, came at Post Malone, where it was like he grew up and they, they had they see like he growing money or whatever. And he and he and he had like little rock band where he was like super quirky and like yeah. it was like parody music. And then out of nowhere, he got braids and it's like White Iverson. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Gimmick, you know, and so I think that's more of what it is. It's like mm. we don't want to be sold a gimmick. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I am and trying to sell it on us because it's what works mainstream. Mm. Uh, however, if MGK is tatted up, yeah, that's just who he is. He's kind of like, you know, he kind of has our swag, but he's like a rock star, too. That's yeah. who he is. You know, yeah, yeah. that seems like who he is. And so I think that's where the issue comes in is when people feel like they're being sold a gimmick. And again, that's a big part of the wake up from Gen Z. Yeah. <laughs> Just feeling like, you know, they're being sold something, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. However, if I meet a stranger on the block and or at school, I've met some kids in school just like. I mean, I've met some white Jamaicans, like straight up white Jamaican. Like, I mean, like everything about them was just like yeah. who they are. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, oh yeah. Who... I, I played in the reggae scene in Southern California for a long time. So I got to I got to meet and hang out and play with uh, white Jamaicans <laughs> a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. Who, who are we to say that's not who they are? Right. I, I just... So you better stop talking like that guy from Jamaica how dare you and you know and I think that's where some of the frustration with people come in is like you know these people who are I'm from Jamaica or like the fact that white people have had dreads for thousands of years because they don't if you don't comb your hair you're and you have so white people hair your shit fucking it, it mats up and it stinks okay white people dreads are stinky <laughs> they're nasty i just want to say it. i mean if you take care of them, i shouldn't talk like that they're if you take care of them they don't stink but i dated a white girl with dreads they stink uh <laughs> for now so now they uh, white people dread stink uh forever now uh but yeah slightly stupid yeah um uh, shit what's his name i uh I, I worked with an artist under uh slightly stupid um not melvin shit it's been too long yeah I worked with uh, an artist under Stupid Records. Um, anyways, yeah. Uh, white Jamaicans speak British English. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so then, do you have any plans for any releases coming up? Or do you have any, th any, any big plans, like touring or anything? You, you, you got anything in the works that you want to talk about? Um, of course, there's a lot going on this summer. I'm dropping my first album. Um, and I'm just really excited to drop that. Um, YBM's on it. Um, Do My Thing is also on it. Nice. Uh, so I feel like people have been waiting a long time for my music. I've been kind of holding out for a while. Uh, so, you know, I'm excited to drop that. I have a new single coming out in a few weeks. I'll be announcing it next week. Sweet. Uh, and, you know, it's going to have a visual to it that's also going to be very... Um, we're going to focus on the evolution of culture uh, of dance, hip hop dance Ooh. and, you know, dance and, and hip hop. So, you know, I just want to like highlight, I guess, back to what you were saying, just like the culture in general, where it's at and how it's it's become so diverse, which is beautiful. Um, 
And so, yeah, I know YBM, I focused on at the end of the day, it was all about Black empowering, empowering being Black who we are and recognizing some of the issues that we need to fix um, day to day. Uh, but I also, I'm very big on unity and diversity. You know, my very best friend from when I was a little girl is Russian, <laughs> she's Israeli and uh, Jewish. And, you know, my other boy is Irish and Italian. And then I got some other friends that are Black and Spanish or whatever. So I was blessed to grow up around a diverse group of friends. Yeah. And um, that also is a big part of where my disconnect is from a lot of people in middle America and down South where they are separated. Yeah. And they don't understand being around each other like we do. And, uh, you know, they don't get accepting certain things about each other. Like I don't do. know. See now, see now, I feel like you're talking a little off school. I know you're from the East Coast and that's kind of close, but I, I, I have to defend middle America. And I, thank you, Bambots, for the, oh, Mighty Mighty, you're so awesome. Let me give you some love. Mighty Mighty. Um, middle of America? Have you, have you, where have you been in middle of America? I live in middle of America. I live in Ohio, but I lived in that's Sandy. Middle of America, okay. I'm talking about Texas. I'm talking about I like, like Texas too. Like, but you're right. There are some backwards Texas, ass people different. there. I agree. I agree. I'm There's some backwards about, people. I'm talking about areas that are completely disconnected. Majority right, of them right. are just not cities. Where the no enter <laughs> counties live, right? Yeah. I, yeah I, towns. I, the yeah. towns. They're yeah. separated. Yeah. These are the people, some of the people that I argue with online, which I don't argue with them. I just block them. But like the people who are commenting on my page, when I go to their page, they're they're living a small little town where pro they probably don't see that many black people. Yeah. So all they know about us is what they see on TV mm -hmm. and in the media. And, um, yeah, and, and, and vice versa. There's people from the hood who don't see many white people who've never been out the hood. And so all they think about white people is what they see on the media. Maybe they think all white people are racist or maybe they think they're stuck up or maybe whatever. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. So I feel like those are the disc. I didn't have to grow up like that. Yeah. And so I feel like I'm very big on unity. And, mm -hmm. and, and I feel like a lot of what I learned in my life about life came from having so many different friends mm -hmm. and so many different cultures around me. Right. Like I said, Jewish, Irish, whatever. These were my good friends. And they're still my good friends. Their kids are my God kids, you know? Mm -hmm. So having that in my life and then kind of, like I said, going out to other places and going down south. Like I drove to LA. I drove to Texas, to Austin, multiple years in a row to do tours and shows down there. And we would stop in Nashville. It's just totally different. Mm -hmm. We would stop in Tennessee. We would stop in certain places. And I'm like, whoa, the energy is kind of crazy. No, you know? I agree. So, I agree. I agree. It gets and they would look at us crazy having a mixed group of people in the car because we have all my friends in the car. They're like, right. what are they all doing together? Yeah. <laughs> and we got pulled over every single time. We no, were in the South. I, every single time I traveled, I had I got similar over. I had similar I had a similar experience. <laughs> I when I first went out to California, I was driving with my white ass dad and my and my my nephew who's who's black. And, um, and and we were eating in a Denny's and these fucking sheriffs just took one look at us and started giving a shit. They were like, uh, are you on drugs, sir? Like talking to my dad. I'm like, yeah, he's fucking diabetic. And, and I almost got arrested. But because uh, I because I will shit talk. Uh, that's my problem. I like to just keep it going because fuck them fucking pig yeah. um but the it, again not all cops are bad i did but these assholes were assholes and you could just see they were sniffing with their snouts so they um 
but but you know, I it de-escalated and and we drove away. But yes, I, I've had similar experiences in the South where if I'm with somebody who has a little bit of melanin, doesn't take much. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, there's definitely been situations. Um, but I, in defense of the Midwest, I, I know there's some some slower behind the times people here just being involved uh, in in with it. But there is a hardiness, there is a realism here, and there is a there is a, they're not they they are willing to talk. I mean, they'll talk your fucking ears off. Like you can't ask anybody a question in the in the lines at in stores, or else they'll just tell you their whole life story. You're there for ten minutes. It's right. over. So, so it, it's it's really. It, I think with the Midwest and with the South, I think the problem is is this uh, um, this this coastal elitist mentality where people like yourself and I had the same. Trust me, I lived in. I, I'm from Ohio, but I lived in San Diego for 13 years, three blocks from the beach, and one of the whitest neighborhoods in town. So. I, I, you know, I, I, I was inundated in in that SoCal culture where people are just like, oh my God, the middle of the country, why is it even there? I, I, but coming back and seeing it, it's there is a realism. There is, I think, the biggest problem is that people feel overlooked here because of that mentality that people just think that there's just a bunch of fat bumpkins who are chewing on corn cobs all the time. And your face, I loved your face. You're like, wait, isn't that what it is? <laughs> I have no idea what no, no, no. it is. I know, I, I don't. I but, but all I'm saying, I just know but, but then here we Middle are. America is the people I argue with. I'll be like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> that's all I know. Fair They're enough. They're the ones who comment and, and harass me. And I'm like, what? Where do you live? Okay, why am I even arguing with you? That's, that's the bad problem. boy. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> See, Twitty, thank you so no much. Idea. Thank you so but much. But I did, like I said, I, I love I love people from everywhere at the yeah. end of the day. Like Texas is one of my favorite places. Austin, yeah, me too. some of my closest friends love here Austin. in LA are from Texas. But I don't really know many people in the middle. Yeah. I'm, I met a couple of people from Kentucky <laughs> and like random places like that. They're all fine. Love yeah. them. They're good people. Good uh, however, people. they all also tell me things too and be like, that's why I moved away. Yeah. So yeah. These no, no, are people no. talking about their own homes. I feel you. I feel you. And, and, and again, like, you know, we're behind the times out here. And then there are some people out here who are <laughs> Ohio is very much East Coast, bro. I feel like Ohio <laughs> is like you're six hours from Philly. Right, like, you're right. not that in the middle, which is why you probably feel the way you do. Well, Ohio I'm, is I'm very, very close much... to Detroit. I'm 40 minutes south of Detroit. I'm very it's just the city. inner city. Cleveland, yeah. Chicago is a few hours east and stuff. So I, yeah. I see what you're saying, but, but I, I still get. Again, like 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 you don't like people making sweeping generalizations about the black community, especially if they haven't experienced it. Well, you know, the people in the Midwest don't like to be have sweeping generalizations about them. And 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 also, I'd like to add on top of that that that's probably one of the no. Let's not even go there. I don't even want to mention the orange man's name. Uh, fuck that guy. Uh, but it's like, but 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 yes, you know, the people out here do not like that. The that you know, I mean, the way that. These politicians talk about them and the way that they're, you know, they don't appreciate that kind of rhetoric just as much as other people don't appreciate it either. Now, am I going to sit here and say that these people are my favorite in the world? Fuck no. Jesus Christ. But, but, you know, I, I, they're people and I'm trying to live a life of, 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 of compassion and empathy and understanding and, and, and gosh darn it, I'm just trying to understand these folks. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I gotta, I gotta, yeah, I gotta stick up for them a little bit, but not too much. Um, 
it's so so then uh, so lots of cool stuff coming in the future then right so you got a whole plan going yes good music coming um, I had no idea what was gonna happen with YBM happened um, yeah. I'm happy it happened I'm yeah. happy that um, people are touched by the music and me I'm happy too that I'm happy that that's people out there are happy to share it and you know help continue to push the awareness of a lot of these social issues mm. there's no right answer or wrong answer. Uh, to how to feel about them. Uh, I think the bottom line is if whatever's happening, if we can save lives, that's that's all we want. Um, we're not saying it's going to be perfect. We just want to have less, less, less news stories like we've had and, and uh, more accountability to avoid these things on all sides. If there's more accountability, it doesn't just help the black community. That's the thing people aren't mentioning. It helps everyone. It helps Everyone who deals with it, I see so many people also comment, well, white people get killed by cops and white people deal with police brutality as well. And I believe them, not doubting that at all. So I think the main thing for me is just being able to bring awareness to something where, look, if we can all stand together and and try to figure out a way to to fix this, uh, which I think comes from accountability at the end of the day, um, then there will be less stories like this for everyone and everyone will feel better about it. Um, because it's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> it's exhausting. Yeah, no, I'm tired us. just having this conversation. Not that it wasn't a good conversation, but yeah, I mean, but yeah, I'm tired now. <laughs> I'm going to go eat and sit for like 20 hours. And we're only still talking about it because nothing, nothing has truly changed. That, so that is the saddest part. Laws, that is the yeah, saddest the laws, part. When the laws start changing, the conversations will start changing. Hmm. And then, well, you know, I would like to we'll think- be in a... I like to just, I mean, yeah, and, and just to end on a nice note, I would like to think of what's happening now as, as growing pains, you know what I mean? Like all this discourse is just Absolutely. growing pains of people in light and coming into the light, understanding what's happening, understanding that there's history here, understanding that 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 we do need a, a better outlook on our fellow human beings, and we just just let's just try to treat each other nicely and with a little bit of compassion, a little bit of understanding, just a little bit. It goes a long way if you just give someone a chance. Um, so yes, thank you for entering the the raffle. Um, LG, I, you've given me so much of your time and I so appreciate it. I had such a great conversation and, and I, again, I appreciate you, you know, taking me the task and, 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 you know, like pushing back because you know, you're absolutely right. People do need to watch what they say. Thank you for those claps, Raina. I appreciate it. And, 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 you know, I tell the chat all the time, if you think I'm wrong, you fucking tell me. Because, and I want to know why. And it, because I don't want to be that guy who's just out there going, blah, 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 you know, just whatever. Whatever I saw on Ben Shapiro or whatever, is that's one of my ideas now. You know, like, that's not who I am. I like to look at things from a lot of different sides. And, and so, I, 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 you know, I appreciate you coming on the show and telling us your truths and, and how you see the world. And, and I, again, I am a big fan. I love the music you do and I love YBM. And, and I just encourage everybody to go out, make sure that you, here, I'm going to drop your links in the show, in the chat, geez, not the show notes. Uh, I encourage everyone to go to our link tree, follow up, uh, go and I put YBM straight to the video. Go check out the video right now. It's amazing. Or after we're done streaming. Either way, or now, it's fine. But uh, <laughs> LG, thank you so much. And and uh, uh, any last words before you go? 
Um, thank you guys for having me. Uh, for all the new people who were watching, I, I couldn't see the chat on here, but um, you know, thanks you, thank you guys for engaging and, and just listening. Uh, I do have a Twitch channel, it's LG Team Genius. I'm hosting this right now on my Twitch channel. But um, yeah, I'll be on Twitch a lot more as well, just doing a lot of like, you know, live streaming in the studio and cooking up. So maybe you guys will get a snippet of the next YBM style song or whatever is to come. Just in the moment, I like to do it. <laughs> Freestyle on there for you guys and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's a pleasure uh, being here. And, um, you know, I appreciate your, your your questions and your views. And, um, you know, the conversations aren't always fun, but when we keep the conversations going, uh, you know, things start to change. Things start to happen. So uh, that's really all that matters. So I appreciate you being a vessel for that, for change. Well, I appreciate you too. You have a wonderful rest of your day, LG, and, uh, and, and blessings, many blessings. Um, I'll, I'll you be too, in. man. All right, <laughs> peace out. Thank you, LG, for coming on the show and sharing your truths and experience. Um, a couple things about the show and this conversation. Um, I definitely wish that I would have listened more instead of just coming up with rebuttals. Um, I, I, I feel terrible that, you know, she felt offended by what I was saying. But I also am very appreciative that she stuck with it and she kept talking through it, even though it was, you know, painful on on some level for her, especially coming off of, you know, the last few weeks after YBM blew up. You know, she's been getting all these messages from people. And so to come on a show and then to be you know, have to defend things and, you know, like have to like teach somebody some things. And it's like, I can see where the frustration was and I can see how, um, how I could have handled the situation better. I could have, because I want this to be a platform for artists to come on, tell their truths, tell their experiences and express themselves freely. And, you know, I, I'm not afraid to challenge people and, and, there's always room for debate, but there's also room for listening. And I feel like I wasn't the best listener on this particular episode. And and, and I wish I wouldn't have been so concerned about rebuttals and, and more concerned about listening to the bigger message. And, you know, after the conversation, you know, I, I, I talked to my wife and, and she was, you know, she wasn't happy about the conversation and the shit I was saying either. Um, so, you know, it, it, it took some real uh it took some real embarrassing moments for me to get to this learning moment which is terrible 
and 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 I hope and I pray that LG didn't feel as terrible as I did after this conversation because no one should have to feel like that just coming onto a podcast. You know, I appreciate that her team reached out to me. I appreciate that, you know, her PR company or, or her management reached out to me to come on the show. And I'm, 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 you know, I'm a huge fan. Like, I, I love, like, what she does. She is a genius lyricist. I mean, it's in the name, right? Uh, she's just such a hardworking individual. And I, um, I would never want the dumb things that I say to impede on her creation. And, and, and by that, I mean, like, if she had to feel like shit after this conversation and couldn't work, you know, it's like, because literally after this, it was a whole weekend of just remorse. And I've been on other people's podcasts. And, you know, I, I, I put this one on Friday. I, I mixed the, the two shows because this last podcast I released was with me and Jason. And that actually took place the Monday after this conversation. But, um, <clears throat> I, I, I put things out of order sometimes just on uh, just how that's just how it falls sometimes. So, you know, I, I talk about it. I talked about it on Jason's uh, on the podcast with Jason and you'll probably hear it on future episodes following this. So um, it, this was a very, very, very huge learning moment for me. And there's a lot to disseminate. And I am going to definitely take these ideas into consideration before running my fucking mouth. You know, there's nothing worse than, like, offending your guest and your wife at the same time. So, <laughs> it's, which is not funny. I'm not offended. I'm not, I'm not laughing. I'm laughing at my own stupidity. I'm not laughing at the stupid things I said. I'm laughing at, you know, because pushing back, I, I don't mind to push back. I think pushing back is okay. Um, I love, I love Oprah. Oprah Winfrey is so good at this. She is so good at pushing back and getting information. And, you know, I, I, I'm not Oprah, okay? <laughs> I'm not Oprah. Uh, and uh, I, there's no reason to try to be Oprah. You know, first of all, Oprah probably wouldn't have said that dumb shit that I said. Um, but, but, again, I don't... <clears throat> I'm not married to my ideas. I'm not married to these thoughts. Um, I'm not... You know, like I will let things go if I find a better way of thinking, and and that's that's okay with me. You know, like I don't mind shifting perspectives a little bit because that's how we grow, and that's what I want this show to be: is this safe place for people to come, artists to come and express themselves freely, and and try to understand where each other are coming from, and in hopes people listening can kind of help understand where their favorite artist is coming from and where other people are coming from you know because we get stuck in our little echo chamber bubbles here where we only talk to uh the the people we agree with because there's this division that's that's uh that that makes it almost impossible to reach across the line to talk to other people i have people on here all the time that don't agree i don't agree with and a lot most of the time we come to some kind of agreement and I think that's the thing we need to focus on is the stuff that we do relate on, the things that we do that we do agree on. And, and there are always going to be things that we don't agree on. And that's okay because we're here to, to talk it through and to weed out the bad ideas and go forward with the good ideas that we can all collectively agree on. So I, um, I, I do appreciate this conversation so much. And um, it, it definitely made me re-examine how i uh, how i go forward and how i view things and 
who I listen to, you know, as as uh, sources of information. Um, so uh, it, it, it has definitely made a huge difference in my life. And um, I mean, like this is I'm serious. This is like <laughs> this is a life changing conversation because I, I, I never, ever want to put someone in that position again where they have to, where they feel offended just by, you know, a question and I think there is a way to address uh, to address these these issues and to address them and and have discourse or have pushback and do it in a way that is is, is it, that's not offensive <laughs> there's a way to ask questions there's a way to introduce ideas without without creating this sort of pressure and and um that's what I'm going to focus on. But at the end of the day, conversations like this do need to happen. We do need to we do need to educate each other and it's not anyone's responsibility, it's everyone's responsibility, you know? It's not just one person's responsibility to teach people about this stuff. It's it is all our responsibility to to try to understand these issues and the nuances of these issues. Uh, and, and a lot of times in today's culture, nuance is out the window. So um, there is a way to go about these conversations without offending the person you're talking to. But no matter what, when you're talking about these subjects, someone's going to be offended. And that's okay because we're learning, right? We're learning on what works and what doesn't. And that's what this was for, for, for me and for anyone listening. I hope that this is a learning experience. Um, and, and you do with it what you will. <laughs> All I know is that I'm raising a black son and I don't want to perpetuate any negative connotation towards people of color. I know that coming from a Mexican family and hearing the horror stories from my uncles and my aunts on how they had to grow up in a real super racist time, um, I you know I, I don't want to perpetuate that. I, I just want us. I want unity. I, I want us all to be happy together. And uh, you know I, I don't know if that's possible. I know that's a bit altruistic. <laughs> But uh, I, I do think that we can, uh, at least for most of us, talk through our disagreements and at least come to some kind of common ground. Uh, most of us, that is. There are crazy people and evil people out there. They do exist. There are evil racist people out there. They do exist. There's no doubt about that. There are evil, uh, you know, homophobic people out there. There are, you know, there, there's just, there's a lot of awfulness out there but i think for the most of us we all just want common ground and we all just sort of want to live our lives and and not be too bothered you know and i don't think that's a lot to ask so um again thank you lg i really do appreciate this conversation and it really has opened my eyes to a lot of a lot of things so i i do appreciate that and i again i'm a huge fan of lg so everybody go make sure you click on the link in the show notes go watch ybm go download it go watch her tiktoks i'm gonna put all of her stuff in the show notes so make sure you follow your girl lyrical genius she is incredible okay guys i'm gonna call it 
I, I I took a lot of time and I re-recorded this, and I'm still not happy with this. I, I don't I don't know how to make this eloquent and nice. I wish I had that, um, but we speak English good, so that's that's this is what you get. <laughs> Lots of uh 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 uh. uh. <laughs> Uh, but I, eh, I just did it again. But I, I do appreciate this conversation, and it has been a uh, a real eye opener. So, uh, thank you, LG, again, and again, everybody, go check out LG, and we will be back next week with more more podcasts, with more stuff, more things. Uh, if you are uh, if you are listening to this on a, on the Friday, it comes out. Uh, today on the live stream, we have a very intelligent human being named Christian Watson, who's going to be on the show. Um, very excited to talk to this guy, and well, we'll just see how it goes, huh? <laughs> That's on the live stream today, Friday, whatever. What's the date today? The August sixth. So today, August sixth, twenty twenty one. If you are uh, interested, come by Christian Watson. He is a uh, social commentary and a commentator i should say uh, a journalist a writer uh, a very intelligent young man I'm, I'm very interested in talking to him about all the icky stuff <laughs> that uh that he talks about it, it, it's only icky because public blowback is terrible when you have these conversations uh he he went on gothic's uh, YouTube. Uh, I don't know if you guys know what Gothics is, but uh, he, he great conversation with Gothics. He's been on uh, my God, like he's been on a lot of different, a lot of different. Um, what do you call it? He's been on a lot of different uh, places. Oh my God, what's like? He's written and stuff. So like the Washington Times, the Washington Examiner, US to USA Today, the Advocate, Newsmax, which I know not a lot of people are cool with Newsmax, but you know it's 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 still a thing. Uh, Marion West, Bold, BBC Radio. Again, very very smart guy. Christian Watson is a political commentator, a dynamic cultural thinker, and podcast host of the Pensive Politics Show. His show airs every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and Sunday nights on The Fed by Ravens Media Network at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and can be accessed on all podcasting platforms under the title Pensive Politics. He also appears as a regular contributor for the Bold TV Media Network his daily cultural and political analysis can also be found on his YouTube page titled Christian Watson. An individualist by nature, Mr. Watson has hit the airwaves, spreading the message of individual liberty and the philosophy of free thought to scores of audiences. He has appeared on Newsmax, TV, Bold TV, BBC Radio London, and many more stations of note around the world. In digital media, Mr. Watson's commentaries have reached thousands on YouTube involving collaborations with eminent voices like Dr. Caitlin uh, Borisenko. I don't know how to say that, sorry, Dr. Gothics, go Gothics, and many more. Although a smaller part of his commentary output, Mr. Watson has appeared 
all across the digital print spectrum, USA Today, The Advocate Magazine, Washington Examiner, Washington Times, to name a few. It is his hope that you will join him in his pensive journey as he pursues his mission to bring intelligent philosophical discourse to the pressing culture and political issues of the contemporary age. So there you go. That's Christian Watson. Uh, very cool, dude. Very cool. I, I'm uh, Again, he's young. I think he's like 21 and big brain. Big brain young dude here. So I'm really, really excited to talk to him. I really am. Uh, and, I, I just, you know, uh, he probably is going to say stuff that I don't agree with because he... He he has denounced his Christian, not Christian, his conservative um, nature. He is a he is a homosexual African American male, um, and he has denounced the conservative side. But he does lean towards the right. So I lean really far left. Maybe not as left as things have gotten, but you know, I I you know I'm very very open minded about some things and. And, and not that Christian isn't, or I'm sorry, not that, yeah, not that uh, Christian isn't, but I, I'm just, you know, listening to his talks and stuff. There's already stuff that I'm like, eh, I don't really agree with that, but that's okay. It's okay because we're going to come on and maybe we'll learn something from each other and hopefully you will learn something too. So that is today, Friday. Hey, look, I read that whole thing because I am excited about this. So I wouldn't have put that much time and effort into reading his bios if I wasn't excited to talk to him. So uh, join us today at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Twitch, twitch.tv slash we speak English good. Okay, guys, that's enough out of me. This was a long outro, but I did want to uh, sort of address this, this conversation. Also, I'd like to say that I do suffer from white privilege. <laughs> it is an affliction that I cannot help. Uh, I'm not. I'm not just joking, by the way. I, I do recognize my white privilege, everyone. Like I, I've seen it happen, even with darker family members. You know, I'm Mexican, but like I have family members who are are, are dark. You know, like they're they're my they're fucking mexican bro and they live in texas so i have seen it happen where i get in the club and they don't i've seen my wife get rejected to use the public bathroom right after i used it uh my wife happens to be black and the, you know i've seen this stuff my my son is black he's gonna grow up in this america so these issues do concern me and i do want to find out as much as i can and try to build a better future for my son who has to like who has to t take this shit on when when i'm gone you know so <sighs> together together we will move forward into the light all right folks be good to your fellow human beings hj's for everybody i'll talk to you guys next week Bye bye